All right, I'm really excited for this one. Really excited. We've never done an episode like this. This is Psychotronicast. I'm Alec Berg. The talent is Derek Estes. He's coming to you via satellite in a warm, cozy uh, apartment, and I'm coming to you from the cold, cold bunker, baby. You can and you should subscribe to us on Instagram and follow us on Instagram and whatever. I don't fucking know. <laughs> just do the things. Um, write to us. Whatever. Who cares? I just want to get to it. Everybody's been doing this that has a podcast, and even people who don't. It's the the, the best of the decade, what, what have you. And Derek, I know that you don't like top lists, top tens, this and that, like narrow well, down. Well, I mean, I, it's tough because I, I, in some ways I'm always fascinated by them, and I, I will always read them. But then the thing is with, yeah, I, I have issues with ranking. <laughs> yes. So here's the thing. I am doing this purely because how you said you you like to read them like i just think it makes a better podcast or a better article like whatever you want to call it so like i just i've i ranked mine and but this is like i ranked mine today and if you ask me again in a month they might be in a completely different order but i'm i'm pretty solid yeah. on the 10 that i picked these are like the top 10 um they're interchangeable i think my number one is going to remain my number one and my, my number one and my number two are definitely going to remain top two i think for the rest of my life as far as this decade is concerned but how i got yeah. to 10 was these aren't the best movies I, i'm not gonna like that's it's, it's impossible to say what's the best and what's the worst actually cats i heard is the worst so uh <laughs> yeah and also uh i'm i'm, I'm stepping on my my list a little bit but um gareth evans the worst thing that i saw this whole decade was a gareth evans film uh called uh, apostle maybe because I was, oh wow that's funny he did that he did that it's like the worst movie i think i've seen like i can i, I just it, it's one of the first ones that pops in my head is like the biggest pieces of shit um but he made the raid and the raid too and that almost made my list but anyway yeah how i got to 10 was uh overall experience um rewatchability which i don't go back and rewatch stuff a lot like if i really love something I'll, I'll watch it countless times sure but like i'm always on to the next one because i just feel like i only have so much time <laughs> and like yeah. i don't want to like keep like rinse and repeating so like these are 10 movies that i've seen multiple times and i will continue to watch multiple times um awesome movies that made me think uh movies that made me deep dive afterwards like go on like just an internet spree of just soaking in all the information i can about these films um, how long the film stayed with me after viewing, like, you know, I'm still thinking about it. I saw it a week ago. Uh, will I watch it again in the next 10 years, which I've heard on a lot of podcasts before is like they rank their top 10 and then they go back to their previous 10 years and they're like, I haven't seen six of these since I, we talked oh, yeah. about them. So like I made sure to think like, I will definitely watch these 10 movies at least once in the next 10 years to come. Um, so that's, you got to throw away all that shit of, um, I don't know. Like basically this is psychotronic cast. So I wanted to keep it in the psychotronic sphere and I know I might be coloring outside the lines in a couple of them, but I feel like I can loosely tie it together to fit the bill of what we do. I mean, it's here. like most things in psychotronic. Yeah. It's like the it's psychotronic encyclopedia has so many weird movies that you wouldn't think like rocky yeah it plays the way he describes it i think you're like oh but it's not normally what you think of yeah that's i had that same issue too where there's a lot of stuff now especially because things so many things are like uh 
lines are being blurred where a lot of things that would have typically been psychotronic films in the past are now like major mainstream films and they even win best picture in some cases or you know they're they're not um like a lot of the movies that we do like the older movies we do are normally things that kind of came from the bottom up or things that were kind of like you know considered trash that people you know kind of later rediscovered um and now it's kind of reversed where a lot of those types of movies are now like the the big movies everyone knows and talks about. Okay. Not really. Yeah. No, it's true. So, I mean, it it, it gets, it's more complicated now because of how those things work. So yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. I know. I, I I was blabbing a lot. I just have a couple more things to get through and then we get to the list. Uh, how I got Mm -hmm. to my top, uh, the other things on my top 10 were, um, there's only one foreign film on there. I know that's shitty. Uh, there was (laughs) going to be two, but, there are three foreign directors that are on the top ten. There could have been five. Oh. Uh, there is one true comedy on here, but you could make an argument that there are three. Uh, there's one musical. There are two just bona fide action films. And there are three that uh, cost over the $100 million mark, which doesn't really sound like psychotronic, I know. But one of them was well, that's Ill- what I mean, yeah. But one of them was illegally financed. So let's just say two of them were had a budget of over 100 million. I had zero films from 2010, 2011, 2012, 2016 and 2018. Uh, the th- I had three in 2017 and that is the most out of all the years. Otherwise, yeah. One in 13, two in 14, two in 15 and two in 19, believe it or not. That's it's not, I, yeah, it's not like it's fresh in my mind. It's just it made that much of an impression on me that I'm like, I know I'm going to like live in this movie and that movie uh, yeah. forever. So that's pretty much it. Uh, before, I'll let you start first, but I just want to mention. No, no, no. Oh, what's you, up? Well, yeah, I, I wanted you to start because my list is too big. You know what you have, so that way uh, okay. I think that we have the crosses over. I feel like if you were doing 10, because I know you have a big list. I feel like um, if we were both doing ten, I feel like two of them would be on there. But other than that, it might be you'll you might be surprised how different these are. Um, oh yeah, there's a couple from your descriptions. I, there's a, yeah, there are at least a couple that I can guess are on your list. Well, I said musical, so La La Land, obviously, <laughs> um, uh, or Cats. But I have to see Cats before I put it on my list. Uh, that joke is not going to age well if somebody listens to this podcast like two years from now. <laughs> They'll be like, what? Um, okay. Uh, before I get to number 10, here are... Th- it, it was so hard to get to the 10 that I kept interchanging number 10 like for four days straight. Here are the ones that yeah. were number 10 for a minute uh, that just couldn't get there. I, I had Drive from 2011. Oh, yeah. It was like... Reminded me, it was before I knew anything about psychotronic anything. I, it was years before I met you. I was like, the only the closest thing that I'd seen to it uh, was Tulane Blacktop, and I was just oh, like, yeah. holy shit, this reminds me. Which of is what? a very different movie. <laughs> I know, way different, but I was just like, it's about a driver and he doesn't talk and blah blah. blah. But it was like that was that was like the closest I'd ever seen to anything like that. Never heard of Nicholas Winding Refn, even though I had seen Bronson before that. I just didn't know it was the same oh, yeah. dude. Um, and I'd seen it so much, and I'd watch it with my friends. I, I think I've watched that was the movie I've seen the most out of all of the other movies uh, that didn't make the list. Yeah, uh, another one, Dragged Across Concrete. 
The reason mm-hmm. I left it off is because I've seen it twice, and I don't think I'll see it again in the next 10 years. <laughs> it's almost three hours, yeah. and the thing about like S. Craig Zoller, the writer and director, is he has Final Cut. That's why he's never done any major studio products, because he wants his final stamp on it, and like he doesn't know how to edit a film. But... <laughs> his content is so crazy and the fact that he uses practical effects and uh, he's a super problematic problematic person apparently and he uh, casts super problematic people uh, i.e. Mel Gibson and that I mean, those it, things yeah, I yeah. Think we'll see I think that I, I would agree I think his biggest issue is editing I mean some of the casting is a little weird like I like of the two movies he made this decade which, I mean, I think he definitely would earn a spot in, like, the directors who, you know, they are important as far as making this type of movie in this decade. Um, you know, I've seen Bone Tomahawk, which was great. Yes. And then, um, like, Ryan on Cell Block. Um, 99. 99, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in that movie. I just didn't like the uh, – Vince Vaughn was the wrong casting for that. Yeah. That was my only – and the editing was a little long, but – which I loved uh, Bone Tomahawk, but Dragged Cross Concrete is actually his best film. And I, I, nice. I watched it once by myself. I was like, wow. And then I, wa- I, I showed it to my dad only a few days later. But I feel like that's a movie that I, I, I would only show to people. I would just never go back and watch alone. Maybe if mm-hmm. I owned it, I would just go to the, like, the last 25 minutes because there's like the big shootout and shit at the end. or It's not really a big shootout, but just the, the last bit of violence in that movie is so amazing. Um, really good at that. Okay, moving on. Uh, a, a movie that you showed me that I've only seen once, and I've never gone back to it, and I don't imagine myself showing anybody anytime soon, but it maybe is my favorite, Pedro Alomar. I can't say his last name. Oh, Almodovar. Okay, yeah, The Skin I Live In. Yeah, yeah. Almost made it just because the movie is so nuts, and I was like, yeah, I was enthralled i, I fucking love well, you that should movie. get into your you should get into your list list <laughs> my list list oh yeah sorry well your actual list no because now you're starting to get into the oh am i stepping on your shit okay fine <laughs> yeah. oh shit 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 all right cool 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 um here i'm gonna make a couple <laughs> that's so funny uh here i'm just gonna cross out the ones i've mentioned and then circle the ones i didn't and then at the end if you haven't said them then i will say them i should have done it like that okay perfect. sorry okay cool because i know there's good now that i look at it i'm like okay you might mention that that's so funny uh, I, one that I know you won't mention, The Raid Two. I oh, that was number ten forever, but like, oh yeah. Uh, I just was like, uh, there's something almost kind of similar on my list that's like that. And even though the action in The Raid Two is great, uh, it's too long, and uh, this other one's better. So anyway, number ten uh, from two <laughs> from 2019. The most fun I've had watching a movie by myself. I don't since I don't know when I saw it on Blu-ray by myself just late at night, not expecting much, only through your recommendation, and I just died. And then I showed it to a group of coworkers the other week, and they hated it, except for two people. It's the Beach Bum with Matthew McConaughey. Yes. It's just, it's just, it's crazy. I don't really like Harmony Korine's movies, but this is like everything that i think (laughs) that i like about him plus like comedy plus like an all-star cast plus everybody just knows what movie they're in like everybody that's like because it's just basically like matthew mcconaughey 
in different set pieces partying with like different big A-list stars that are only like on set for like 72 hours. And it's just like Amy Adams or Amy Adams, sorry. Isla Fisher knocks it out of the park. <laughs> same, same bitch. Isla Fisher yeah. knocks it out of the park. Like uh, Jonah Hill's insane. Uh, Martin Lawrence is hilarious, but Snoop Dogg, Oof. holy shit. But we've got to give it to Zac Efron in his greatest performance. <laughs> And his greatest facial True. hair choice ever in those Janko jeans, vaping like a motherfucker, talking about burning houses down, and like, yeah, I saved the kids. If I wasn't there, who would have saved them? And it's just like breaking out of rehab, stealing a speedboat, like falling in love with a transgender, like orca fat black chick. Like, it's just like, every, I like how I started uh, PC and then just, just. Fell, fell then apart. Then you just dug yourself by, by the end <laughs> of the fucking sentence. Listen, listen, I try. But the beach bum, the beach bum, the beach bum, if you haven't seen it, see it. It's free on Hulu right now in the end of 2019. You All right, what do you think about the beach bum? It's, oh, no, I, I love beach bum as well. And that was definitely um, one that I, I couldn't quite put on the list. Part of uh, one of my rules I was setting was I, I was going to try not to talk about things we've already talked about in the podcast because it was just like oh. this is how to narrow things down. But um, but no, I think Beach Bum is so great. And I think the Harmony Cran because I also love um, um, Spring Breakers. So I think that like he he really did his work this decade um, for me. So I was yeah I I, I totally support the Beach Bum. Nice. <laughs> there was also like I, I saw it like in the theater. You know it was like pure joy like i had so much fun seeing this yeah alone in the theater um and yeah like it was i was totally like i left the theater just feeling like revived and i loved life <laughs> it was yeah really life affirming great and just hearing the, the people that hate this movie which i don't blame them but also like what's wrong with you <laughs> oh, yeah. it's like if you just go in even the music the like the score in the film is just like it's like hokey. It's like supposed to be. Oh, yeah. I don't know what. Like it's the funniest fucking movie of the decade. Like I, mm-hmm. and it's like smile from ear to ear. Like your jaws on the floor. It's like captivating. It's fast paced. So much shit goes down in this movie. Um, and it's also like you know you have the thing. Like it has that really light tone. It's really candy colored. Like the whole thing is just like meant. It's almost like a, you know, it's like a confection. You know, you just. You get it, like, there's, even when bad things happen, it's, you know, nothing's a total bummer. It can, in some ways, I mean, this is a really different movie, but I guess I always think of this movie the same way, which also has Matthew McConaughey, so I think of Days to Confused, mm-hmm. um, where the movie, like, nothing really bad ever happens. It's just kind of like a, you know, it's like a good hang, you know, there's different things happening, they go to a party, there's, you know, and it's like that Beach Bomb works in the same, the same way for me. Okay. Yeah. I see that. For sure, and uh, almost like the same kind of character if Matthew McConaughey is just like you know twenty five years older, like he is, and just yeah. uh, just kept on you know kept on living. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. So do you want me to keep going on my top ten, or do you interject, or what are no, we doing? I think, or well, I guess oh yeah, we didn't think of, uh, of that format. Okay, in that case, uh, I will go. I'll, I'll do one. Uh, so I guess my and my list is all over the places. Nothing's ranked um, by preference. It's just going to be like the the random movies that I'm going to pick. And the, uh, since you already mentioned it already, I want to talk about the skin I live in. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's Pedro Almodovar. It's one of 
my favorite directors. And also, like, one of the things with my list, um, I was, you know, trying to think, okay, like, what, you know, what movies do you pick? And then what, um, like, um, you know, what makes a psychotronic film now? And that was one of the things I kept thinking about, because I'm like, you know, in this decade, I think about even Guillermo del Toro winning Best Picture for... um, um, save of water. The, the save of water. Yeah. And I'm like, that normally, even in the 80s, or, you know, in when periods when these types of movies were really popular, and like, that wouldn't have won Best Picture. Um, and the way that, like, horror films have changed so much over this, this past decade, where you have a lot of people, in a lot of ways, the people who are able to make movies that aren't like, you know, even the people who are making these giant superhero movies, a lot of those people even are really well-versed in these, but... Um, a lot of these cultural references that we talk about in the podcast a lot um, are also being absorbed by a lot of the directors who are making big choices now. Um, they're kind of, you know, a lot of people, you know, are kind of play, paying, you know, reference to, to these types of movies. And you mentioned um, Drive and Nicholas Winding Refn. And for me, like, he was someone that I really feel... Um, like possibly you would need to be on these lists just because of, um, I mean, just drive with, uh, even like, uh, only God forgives. I thought there's a lot of great stuff in that. I thought the neon demon, uh, was so excellent that that was the one that I was so close to putting on my list. Mm -hmm. And then also that TV show he did, um, too old, too young to die old or too old to die young. Sorry. Still haven't seen that even though you've told me to. It's like, it's, like it can be really frustrating, but it's also so stylish and so crazy, and it's like it's so unique, um, and also so him. You know, he's one of those people that like I feel I don't know. I think he he just has like he has a deal. He has something even when he's like kind of borrowing from other references. I think uh, you you always kind of know where you're at with him. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but I think that he's also he's one of those voices and one of those. Uh, you know, people with a certain style that I think has been really influential of this decade. And uh, it, starting with Drive. Yeah. I mean, Bronson, and also, like, Valhalla Rising. I mean, he really, and even before, like, these later movies, but, like, he had been kind of, like, really building up, and those movies are all really dynamite. But I think that he, yeah, he's definitely one of those people of this decade that I think is, like, really noteworthy. But with the going back to the skin I live in, did you see that? Oh, the, yeah. Did you see that in the theater, or is that something that Mm-mm. just never came here? No, it was weird. That was as much as I love him. That was one that I just somehow like didn't get around to seeing, and I saw like way later, and and then I had uh, rented it, and it just like blew my mind. I was like, this movie is so fucking great. Like, and it's, um, it's really interesting because you know he, he's taking. Is he a lot of his movies, you know, play reference to other, other movies. But the way he's able to do things is, it's like he takes all these references and he kind of like shapes them into something totally different. Like, uh, like the other one of his movies that uh, I showed you was All About My Mother, and it takes stuff from All About Eve, and there's stuff from Cassavetti's Opening Night, and there's you know all these things. But he's like he's not making or remaking any of those movies. It's like they'll you'll see like little references, and you'll you'll you know you'll kind of hear the ringing of these other things, but then he ends up doing something totally different with it. And that's what he did with this movie where it's like the mad scientist movie, which seems like, you know, one of the like horror genres that would be so hard to revive and do something really interesting with. And, uh, he just nailed it. Mm-hmm. 
And there's like definitely a heavy influence from uh, Georges Franchu's Eyes Without a Face, the like French horror film from the '60s. Um, yeah, but the scientist kind of like remaking, um, you know, this this girl that he loves, and it's it's that movie was just so insane. But I don't know, I wouldn't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. Um, but the way that the story moves and the the things that develop. And it are so mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, I recently just lent that movie to some coworkers, um, and the first one I, I heard back from it, it blew his mind as well. He was like, "I didn't know what to expect." Oh, which one uh, that, was it? Uh, who? Uh, it's uh, Tony, our security guard. Hilarious. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I guess since we always spoil everything that we cover here, every episode, we're not spoiling anything on these lists. By the way, so. People are listening. Well, I also, what, one of my things, like, uh, thinking about our list is um, there are certain movies that I, I you know, and I'm not going to mention because in case uh, you put them on your list, but there, you know, there's certain movies that were, like, so obviously amazing. And I'm just like, God, like, do they need me to tell them about that? So I definitely kind of try to pick things that, um, I intentionally try to pick things that I hadn't talked about on the podcast or um, potentially the listeners might not have heard of. Um, yeah, you know, in the the spirit of like you know trying to uncover those you know those mysterious things that maybe you didn't see. Some of the movies that I think are pretty common enough that other people probably have seen, but yeah, I put them in anyhow. All right, well I'll go to number nine. Um, speaking of things that maybe a lot of people haven't seen or heard of, maybe that's the case a little bit now for this one. But I feel like a couple weeks from now, we're at the end of December, uh, two thousand nineteen. These guys are about to drop a new movie that's going to like just shoot to number one. And uh, I'm talking about 2017 Softy Brothers gem, Good Time. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. It's like if After Hours got a bowl of crack and didn't want to get fucked, they just wanted to get their slow brother out of the hospital that he got <laughs> put in because of him. Sort of. It's crazy. If you haven't seen this oh, movie, yeah. I think it's still available for free on Amazon Prime. Um, this is how I was introduced to the Safdie brothers. Uh, one of the Safdie brothers is kind of a co-star in it, but it also kind of made... I mean, it definitely made me fall in love with Robert Pattinson in the way that it reminded me of how I felt about Leonardo DiCaprio in the 90s, where it was oh, like... Yeah. Leo was so big for Romeo and Juliet and Titanic and The Beach and What's Eaten Gilbert Grape and whatever... And then The Man in the Iron Mask, and I just, like, hated all of that shit. And then 2001 rolls along 2000, and then he's in Gangs in New York, and he's in a Martin Scorsese film, and all of a sudden I'm like, this guy's dope. Even though he yeah. had a body double, when he's, like, showing his scars, and he has, like, that six-pack, I'm like, that's not Leo's body, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. And same with Robert Pattinson with this. It was just like, here's the guy from the Twilight movies I didn't see, and I'm just like, this fucking guy? And then you, he looks so bizarre. That you're like, oh, yeah. he, he looks like a fucking weirdo. And well, that's the thing. It's always been what what has been attractive about him. Like, I never saw the, the Twilight movies either, but I thought he was just so hot and cool looking. Um, actually, it's funny. For a long time, I used to hook up with this guy that looked just like him, but he was blonde. Oh, well, he's bleach blonde in the movie. Well, I mean, halfway, yeah, well, through, halfway through the yeah, movie. The, yeah. Yeah. But he, uh, yeah. He's so good. I agree. This this is another movie that was that was potentially going to be on my list because I'm like this was one that I just could not stop watching. Me too. I watched it. I think two or three times on my own, and then I've showed two different friends of mine this movie, and 
one of them was like it it was freaking them out too much where it's just like i it's like there's like a panic attack for them and then the other one was just all about it and i think i the twist that happens i see i love a good twist more than anybody in the world but my favorite part about my my favorite kind of twist is a twist that happens in the middle of the movie not the end because the twist that happens in the middle they have to pivot and then it becomes a completely different movie the twist at the end of the movie is just like, isn't that crazy? Credits, you know? So, like, yeah. I, I would rather have the twist in the middle, and then you got to, like, fucking pick up the pieces, and then you're like, oh, we're doing this now. And that's exactly twist what this movie does. And um, another one I could think of was, off the top of my head, is that angst movie, or Anguish, whatever the one we saw at the Hollywood Theater. Oh, yeah. That mo- I was like, huh? Like, when that shit happens, you're like, fuck yeah. But good time... <laughs> Um, is just crazy. It's just that. It's, it's a good time. It's just a good time. It's a man. good time, bad time. Every little character in the film is just like, I've never been to New York, but like I watched that movie and I'm like, that's fucking New York. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like It's just like, shit. And we're only like a few days away from uh, Uncut Gems coming out and it felt kind of weird putting this on my list, especially hearing all the good things that I've heard about it. I feel like Uncut Gems, I might rank higher than this one day, but it's just like, yeah. sorry, it hasn't come out yet, and I haven't seen it. So until yep. then, Good Time is on the list, and that is my number nine. I love it. No, I agree. Like that, um, yeah, the Softy Brothers have been totally dynamite. I cannot wait. We're going to go see, on Wednesday, go see Uncut Gems. and uh, Christmas yeah, night, baby. First, like, amazing. Um, so I'm going to go... With uh, since yeah, since the the last movie, it's gonna live in had a reference to uh, Eyes Without a Face. I, I'm gonna uh, pick Holy Motors, the Leo Carax movie. Um, that is just so insane. I saw this movie when it came out in theaters, and I hadn't seen it for a while. And I recently was rewatching it, and it's. Like, one of those movies that's just so crazy, you can't really, um, like, it's, it's really difficult to summarize, but it's about this guy played by uh, Dennis Levant, who you just watch him go through, he's, like, rides around in this limousine, he takes these appointments, but then the appointments, and each one he's, like, putting on, like, some super elaborate costume and then doing really weird, fucked up shit. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's really surreal, really crazy and it's uh i don't know yeah it i've never i've never seen this movie it's great it's really really weird it's uh like at one point i guess it uh one of my favorite scenes is he's this crazy like like kind of hunchback like one-eyed leprechaun and he like wanders through the sewers and then he comes out in the cemetery and kidnaps eva mendez what (laughs) Um, yeah, it's really weird. And at one point, like, Kylie Minogue shows up, and she's in this, like, he's, he's struggling out this, like, limousine, and then she shows up as well, and it turns into, like, this crazy musical. But then the whole thing is the woman driving him around is actually the girl from Eyes Without a Face, like, the French movie. Uh-huh. And then at one point, she even puts on the mask that she wore in that movie. Oh, dope. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That movie is awesome. Um, you can find it. I think it's on, like, it might be on Amazon Prime. I know it's at least available to rent. Or it's on, like, the uh, 
the Shout Factory app or something. I have like a bunch of the plugins for my Amazon, so it's hard to tell what's actually free or not. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, that movie is amazing. Awesome. That's my number nine. Cool. Uh, number eight for me, I the first time I saw it, I saw it with you, the night it came out in 2014, and I really liked the look of it, and I really thought some scenes were like like just rad and it just i wanted everything everybody was wearing in it and i just wanted to live there but i didn't know what the fuck was going on and then recently <laughs> i watched it again but i didn't just watch it again i would watch one scene and then a scene would be over and then i'd rewind that scene and watch it all over again before going to the next scene and then i got it its nickname <laughs> is inherit twice for that reason but it's really called inherit vice <laughs> And P.T. Anderson, that is his best film of the decade. I know people love Phantom Limb. Um, Phantom Thread. Phantom Limb, sorry, that's a Shin song. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, people love that as well. But, uh, yeah, I think Inherit Vice is just something, at least for me, to continue to go back to over and over again and get more from it. And I feel like that's what P.T. Anderson's films have been since... The Master, maybe, or I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg, but like, um, after There Will Be Blood, I think everything that he has made, when you watch it the first time, you're kind of like perplexed, and then as you dissect it, you're like, oh, this is okay, I get it now. And, um, with that, yeah, I mean, his movies, I mean, but really, I mean, I think his movies have been doing stuff like that since Magnolia, at least. You know, so you know, that was one that people was just like, what the fuck? And then the more they see it, then they... Yeah. Well, I hate... I, I mean, I think I've talked about this on the podcast. I hated it the first time I saw Magnolia. But I was also, like, 15 when it came out or something. So I was like, I didn't know it. Yeah. But, you know, then I watched it again recently. I'm like, I love Magnolia so much. But yeah, with Inherit Vice, yeah, we saw it in the theater. Granted, we were just as high as uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character is throughout the movie. But... <laughs> I was like, what? And um, I just, everything in that movie is so great from um, the aesthetic. Uh, I like it how it takes place in a fictitious Southern California beach that's not named Venice. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is just outfits, like all of them. I want all of them. His, like, oh, yeah. Neil Young sideburns, which was, like, the best part about Neil Young. The only good part about Neil Young, besides his guitars. Uh, and then uh, just. Like Josh, I was gonna say Josh Groban. What's wrong? Josh with me? Brolin. Josh Brolin just coming in hot, just like the mo oh, yeah. the Moto Panikeko scene is like so fucking funny. It's like one of the funniest scenes of the decade, no doubt in my mind. He's just that <laughs> perfect, like just you know he belongs on um, not Police Squad, but uh, da na na na. Oh, Dragnet. Yeah, he belongs on fucking Dragnet. I'm sorry, I am like not all there tonight oh, no, uh but it's it's something else and the, the fact that like uh can does the soundtrack which is cool because oh yeah it doesn't that very, i was thinking about vitamin c earlier today and how it's using that song yeah it's and, so it's, good. and it's like it, it sounds like oh that was the thing it was when we were leaving the hollywood theater when we saw that night uh when it opened i remember somebody saying that like yeah the movie's cool it's like i don't know why he used new music though because, like, Can's music is, like, timely. Like, if you listen to a Can record, you're just, like... It sounds 
it sounds new. So new. You're just like, yeah. what the fuck are they doing? But it's just like, no, that came out in 1969. Like, it's fucking crazy, yeah. right? So it's just, yeah, that was awesome. Um, I liked like the kind of overall message it was it was doing, or like at least uh, the code of ethics that Joaquin Phoenix stood for. He like never wanted money, which like it comes up. Money comes up a lot in this movie, and he's just like. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. Like, you know, one day I might need a favor from you or something like that. But it's not, like, in a weaselly kind of way. It's just, like, he's just kind of spreading love. He's just, like, that total hippie. Um, oh, yeah. But he's, like, he's really smart, but he's also a burnout. And I don't know. It's just great. It's just all the little characters that pop up. Um, Owen Wilson, his little bit thing is so great. But, yeah, Inherent Vice, just... Mwah. Like, I was just, like... Too stoned to get the first time and not smart enough to watch it through the second time start to finish. I had to like keep rewinding it and watching it. But then as I understood what was happening, if you had to ask me what was that movie about now, I don't know. But if I watched it again, I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like a David Lynch film. <laughs> well, it's like a lot of like movies that I, I love. Like, you know, it's like you don't always need to rewatch everything. But then a lot of movies, the really good ones on rewatch, like things start like coming back, you know, or things that, you know, you just start picking up on new things or you kind of start remembering things you forgot that you, you know, that makes it like fresh and exciting. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think he's really good at that. I think, I mean, I, I, I've, you know, been a total fanboy ever since Boogie Nights and then I immediately watched Hard Eight and I've been obsessed with everything he's done since, except for like the Hame music videos he's doing. That's the only thing I'm not into. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think he is, like, so dynamite. And he's, you know, as far as his, his own feature films, like, has not hit a sour note with me at all, so. I don't think I've um, disliked anything he's ever made. No. And I think... Yeah, the, it's like all... Any, any of his movies, like, in every decade, for the past, what, three decades he's been making films, yeah. uh, every single movie he's made would be on my on my end of the decade list. Oh, no doubt. Hands down. I think, yeah, There Will Be Blood would be in my top three of the previous decade. Boogie Nights would be in my top three of that previous decade. Oh, yeah. Or five, maybe. Punch Drunk Love. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Punch Drunk Love. I totally forgot. Yeah. I've probably seen, I think, ranking-wise, or, like, viewing-wise, I think it was... I think There Will Be Blood, believe it or not, I've seen more than anything of his. I was yeah. so obsessed with that movie for so long. And then Punch Drunk Love is, like, a close second. And then after that, it's, like, Boogie yeah. Nights. But yeah, that, yeah, I've seen those movies so so goddamn much. Um, cool. Inherit Vice number eight. Go for it. All right. So my number eight, I'm doing Magic Mike XXL. What? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So before Steven Soderbergh did his fake um, retirement. retirement, the last movie he directed was uh, the original Magic Mike, which is like another. Um, just incredible movie starring, starring Matthew McConaughey. I mean, he's, like, featured in it, I guess. He's a strong feature. It's, like, right before his upcoming uh, McConaissance. Um, but, no, and the, the original Magic Mike is, you know, like, really solid. It's just, like, it's, um, you know, kind of a fun, you know, um, like, party movie. It, it's in the same, like, genre as you put, like, Cocktail or, like, even, like, Showgirls or these movies where it's about, like, you know, the or like Roadhouse. I don't know these movies that are you know like the going out nightlife scene, and then how the good times go bad, and you know it plays in in those lines. But it's also kind of about like the financial crisis. 
But then, uh, so for the sequel, he's not actually directing, or he's not credited with directing this movie. Um, though I kind of almost suspect that maybe he was doing it secretly because the other guy, Gregory Jacobs, who's the credited director, has never directed anything before or since. Um, and Steven Soderbergh was like the producer and the cinematographer, so I kind of think that he might have been pushing pulling the strings. Um, but Magic Mike XXL um, is so great because it's on one hand it's an odyssey of a bunch of male strippers like traveling to a convention, but it's also this like amazing musical where like there's constant like in all of the stops they go to um there are all these like really amazing dance scenes and dance sequences um and the whole thing is just like pitch perfect from beginning to end i mean i i put it up there with like things like a beach bum uh or you know always other like movies that are just like really dynamite hangs and yeah that's definitely one that's sticking around for a long time all right yeah i'm glad you put a sequel on your list because i felt pretty silly for putting one on mine i'm like why who would put a sequel uh actually there's two sequels on mine but one of them is one of them's like straight up just like you'd be an idiot not to you probably have that on your list but um i yeah that i love steven soderbergh so much he's done so much shit he's so prolific that it's impossible it's not impossible but it's hard to have seen everything of his but oh, yeah. um one of my favorite quotes of his, which I'm paraphrasing, so I guess it's not really a quote, was he was saying that, like, whenever I make something, like, film, show, whatever, like, I just have to keep in mind that it's got to be fun. Like, it's got to be a good time watching it. It doesn't mean it has to be, like, a comedy or whatever. Just, like, yeah. you're getting, like, there's excitement and there's fun out of it. Um, I think the best thing that he did, besides, in my opinion, like, Ocean's Eleven, uh, is that series that he did for Cinemax with Clive Owen, the Nick, which he also did during his retirement. Exactly. And it's the way it's shot and like the story itself is so cool. Like I'm, I'm so bummed it got canceled because his idea for it was he was going to do, it was just the, the hospital was going to be the main character and that takes place at the turn of the 20th century the, the first and the second season, and then it was going to go to, like, the 50s, and then it was going to go to, like, the 70s, and then it was going to get whatever, but, like, it, nobody watched it but me, apparently. Really, really <laughs> good. Uh, I think, you know, HBO Max, they, they, like, merged together. So if you have HBO Go, I think you can actually watch it now. Or maybe when they That's merge awesome. together or something. But, like, The Nick, you want to kill nine hours in a good way. And watch, like, Clive Owen's one of those actors where you're like, man, I really, really like you. But you don't do great shit a lot. Yeah, uh, that's true. And that's that. He, this is like this is him being like, uh, he's like sing, really sinking his teeth into it. He's kind of going overboard, but his character kind of calls for it, and you just can't get enough. So yeah, yeah, Magic Mike XXL. That's fantastic. Steven Soderbergh. Oh, it's so good. What's up? It's 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 such a great movie. <laughs> well, my number seven. We've already done a podcast on it, so I'll just say two things, and we can move on is 2014's Nightcrawler. Uh, oh, yeah. J uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's best performance as an actor, in my opinion. And it's like... I don't know if I mentioned it in the podcast before, but I was thinking about it more uh, over the last couple of days, and it's like people call it like a... Or I don't know if people call it, but it's like a West Coast taxi driver, in a way. Yeah. And he's like a Travis Bickle character, sure. But the thing is, is he's so much worse. And he even says that at the end, like he doesn't like Travis Bickle doesn't like he wants the you know, 
a rain to wash the streets away and he doesn't like people, but he's like fascinated and really interested in like getting a girl and like going out and like having a girlfriend and stuff. Like Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't give a fuck about any of that. Everything is a business arrangement. Like with his arrangement with Renee Russo, it's just like, I don't want you to be my girlfriend. It's just like, I, I want this and this and this, and you're going to do these things for me in bed. And you're going to like, he's just like, he's like a sociopath, like to the next level. Um, it's everything is just business. He doesn't have friends. He doesn't have girlfriends. He doesn't have family. Like he's just a monster. And uh, uh, yeah. Nightcrawler is just I can I I can watch it over and over again. If anybody's never seen it, that's with me that wants to watch it, we're watching it. Like it's just a movie that just it's just perfect for me. Um, and that's my number seven. I don't want to go any further because we literally did a whole podcast on it. So check it uh, out yeah, if you no, haven't I heard agree. it. Yet. I, I I loved it when we watched it. Great. I totally go for it. Um, so next, this is one that, like, it's almost arbitrary that I'm picking it, but I think that this director, I mean, if we, could, if we did a thing where, like, people who are, you know, important to this decade, like, uh, I said, like, Nicholas Winding Refn, um, and, you know, like, what what he's done, or even Harmony Korine, um, but I have to talk about Yorgos Lanthimos for a second. Oh, and, uh, shit. His that I picked was Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, you, all right. That's funny. That's my number five. <laughs> I knew that I knew that was going to be one of them. I knew you were going to pick one of his movies. I just didn't know if it was going to be that one. But, all right, we'll both talk. Yeah, know, it's go. like that or, like, Dogtooth. I mean, we could also, like... Well, Dogtooth I mean, is 2009, or else that would have been on there. No, I think it was, well, according to Letterboxd, it's still 2010. Oh, But maybe it depends on when and where it was released. It's right on that cusp. But, um, yeah, he is definitely one of those directors that... Um, I mean, also, I mean, The Lobster, too, could have easily, you know, made on these lists. I mean, they're, they're all deserving. And I think that uh, he's definitely one of those people that has really shot up during this um, this decade. And he's he has such a unique, uh, specific voice that you're just like, yeah, like, this is somebody that I want to return to a lot. Um, and hopefully, you know, he keeps making dope movies but um killing of a sacred deer was one of those movies that i feel there were like you know maybe a hundred of us that liked yeah (laughs) and then everyone else was just really kind of like either ambivalent or just hated it um but i thought it was so i was so captivated by everything from the music to all the performances i mean the way he directs actors and yeah there was a, a mutual friend of ours who complained a lot about the performances in the movie and how it was like no one could act but i I think it's very obvious that everyone is working in a stylized mode uh for this movie um and i mean dogtooth too i mean all of his movies really have kind of you know the favorite was this is also one of those things where um i guess i'm going a little slide tangent i was talking about like how it's hard talking about what is a psychotronic film in uh, this decade because a lot of these people are like nominated for best director and these people are, are winning big awards and last year was the favorite it was his follow-up to Killing of a Sacred Deer that was you know up for like best picture and it was getting all these accolades um, so you know it, it kind of makes it interesting like you know what what really makes a psychotronic film I mean the movies themselves I guess they speak for themselves but I think that um, their place in our culture is in a different different register now yeah and the, what I was going to say with it being number five for me was like the lobster was the first time I've, I'd ever heard of him. I hadn't heard of Alps or uh, Dogtooth yet. And we went and saw it in the theater. And I thought it was great because I just love yeah. like 
um, not a post-apocalyptic, but like a, a, a grim, like just like a you know. Oh yeah. The the basis behind the lobster, it's like this isn't like dystopian. Future. Dystopian future. That's what I'm. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah, it's just like kind of like that. And I just I'm always a sucker for those kind of movies. But just like how bad it made you feel in some parts where you're like damn like this is nuts i mean the beginning like a woman's driving a car and she just like pulls out and shoots a fucking horse or whatever like and and you're like what am i about to watch and then the whole thing of like the ice pick in the eye near the end and you're just like oh shit but with um the killing of a sacred deer that movie came and went i didn't see it in the theater for whatever reason it got panned people that we knew saw it hated it and I was like, oh, shit. Like, okay, well, I guess the lobster was like his, like, flash in a pan kind of deal. Well, it's funny. When I, when I saw it, I was like, I remember telling you, like, oh, so-and-so. I'm like, oh, no, you're going to love it. Like, I, I knew you would get it, mm-hmm. even though well, a lot of people didn't. First of all, it's, like, shot like a Stanley Kubrick film. So I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It's, like, the, the way that, like, the, the cameras are, like, either above their head or, like, below their waist. And it's just all on a dolly. And then just like that wide angle lens, he really went crazy with it on the favorite. And oh yeah, um, yeah. When people say like, "Oh, the acting is so terrible," it's like, do you really think Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell can't act? Like this is yeah. a this is a choice, you idiot. Well, he you know, it's funny because he also like he like um, you know Colin Farrell was one of those actors that yeah I was never that into. He was one of those actors that um, even when he's in a movie I like, I'm like, oh, I liked it in spite of him being in it. You know, um, like uh, Chance Malick's like The the New World. And I'm like, oh, I, I really like that movie, even though Cal- Colin Farrell's in it. But then after these movies that he's done, um, I've actually totaled 180. I'm just like, he's dynamite. I fucking can't wait to see him. I mean, you know, besides his porn video, like I like to see him in regular movies too. So. <laughs> and with... Yeah, killing. It's another one of those where the twist comes. And that kid, I, I can't think of that actor's name who plays the the kid he befriends. Yeah, like all the tones of that movie are just so crazy. But that kid's performance is so good. Like, I mean, it's so chilling. And the way they used the music in that movie too. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought the movie was totally dynamite. So sorry, I didn't mean to stomp on your list. No, no, that's great. Yeah. I'm glad. I it would have been shitty if we didn't pick one thing together and it's just like oh boy but um (laughs) who are we Uh, i thought we were a team man but (laughs) with killing like it's another one of those where the 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 twist comes halfway through and you're like what is this about and it's just like a sentence drop it's just like the kid says something and then i'm stoked i mean bummed i didn't see the theater but glad i had it on blu-ray so i can rewind it because when he says it, you're like, huh? And then you like rewind it and hear it again. You're like, what is this movie about? Because the first quarter of it, you think that Colin Farrell is having this like strange relationship with this young boy. And you're like, yeah, hey, exactly. Well, Ellie- he does. I mean, it's not like a, it's not sexual. Well, that's what you, I mean, that's, what, that's where I went at the beginning. Down, I'm like, oh, but it's still like, yeah, in a, it's like an icky feeling relationship. <laughs> exactly. And then. Then after that, I was, like, hooked. Like, this Gordos Lanthimos guy, he's a freak. Like, I got to see everything. Unfortunately, there's, yeah. only, there's only two things I hadn't seen of his because he hasn't done much, which hopefully he'll just keep going and going. I still haven't seen Alps. Alps is good. People don't like it at all. Uh, people like that the least. 
which is funny because my least favorite of his is the favorite. Um, The Alps is just like, it's like dark and it never is funny. (laughs) I think that's what it is. Like there's like no humor in it, but like the way it ends is you're just like, huh? (laughs) It's just, it's good. I like it. And it's also really hard to understand what it's about. Um, Yeah. Because it's, I mean, I'm not spoiling anything, but it's basically, which it's hard for you to get by. It's like, basically the movie is about people die and then there's family members that grieve over the death of their loved ones. And then these people come in and go like, hey, I know you miss so-and-so. We can pretend to be them for you. And then they're just like, huh? And just like, yeah, yeah, I'll just pretend to be your daughter. And it's just like, your daughter's dead, but like, I'm your daughter now, so I'll just be your daughter. And it's just like such a weird, weird That's a great idea. It's a really great idea, but it's just like, it's kind of about like some people that do that job and like take it a little too far, which I mean, like how, I mean, the whole basis, the whole, the whole thing is too far, but yeah, it's just nuts. But I think uh, some people had a hard time understanding that that, that's what the movie was about. (laughs) Cause like, they don't really, they don't really tell you. They're just like, why are these people doing this? And it's just like, oh, because they're like, that's their job. <laughs> it's just like weird. Well, it's even kind of like that Holy Motors movie I was talking about where it's like you don't really understand. Because, I mean, the whole concept of what he does is so, like, bizarre. And you're like, oh, I mean, I guess this is you, – you, after watching, you kind of figure out, like, oh, this is his job is to do these weird performances and be these weird people. But then it's not like – it's yeah, you just have to piece it together Yeah. by watching it. And – if we're gonna put Dogtooth in the same in this decade, uh, I still would pick Killing over it because Killing is at least for me more rewatchable. I think yeah. Dogtooth is just like so shocking what the movie's about, and I don't want to give anything away. Uh, if you haven't seen Dogtooth yet, it's fucking bananas. But just like how they just like keep peeling the layers back, and you understand like, oh, they're fucked up like that now and like that now and like that and then just keeps going and going and then the movie ends and you're like ah like it's like what the (laughs) fuck is this and it's so good yeah people that don't like his shit i don't really like those people i don't know (laughs) it's like there's only so many people that can do something like that and i I mean this list kind of shows it at least for me it's just like the safety brothers like what they're doing is like insanity and i can't wait for uncut gems and it's just like uh yeah like pt anderson is like a little more washed but not washed up but just like it's it's more for the the masses but like yeah gordos lathamos is just like he's on another level i can't wait till for his next thing i just really hope it's not just waning and just like getting what is i've heard like different like i've heard stories of things that he might be doing um they sound pretty interesting but yeah i yeah, I mean, I think even if, like, he's one of those people where if he just disappeared and never made another movie again, like, he left enough of a, like, thing to have a name. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, you know, yeah, this is this director is about, you know, I mean, I think it'll be inspiring to people for a long time. Alps is on um, Amazon Prime for free. I think that's how I saw it, but I saw it, like, a year and a half ago. But it, oh, could, nice. it, it could still be up there. It's, I mean, you love him. Just watch it. But it's definitely... Yeah. Like, Dogtooth is fucked up as it is. Like, it's so fucked up, it's funny. I think with Alps, <laughs> it's just not funny. It's just like, you're like, yeah. you're just like, oh, okay. But it's like, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, 
It's kind of like, I mean, a lot of those directors, like, um, that are kind of challenging that way, like, you know, Lars von Trier, obviously, is kind of like that, where sometimes you're like, ooh, is that too far? Or, like, Michael Haneke, where you're like, ooh, this is, like, some stuff's kind of funny or crazy, but then some stuff you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> okay. Too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so Killing the Sacred Deer, that's my number five. That was just one of yours, so uh, we're going to go well, You can always pick another number five, I mean, if it doesn't fuck up your ranking system. Um, um, you know what's funny is, like, I was going to be super bummed if... Yeah, I, I felt the worst about not having this on the list. <laughs> uh, so, but I wouldn't call it number five. Um, but what's your you still have a number six to go okay yeah fuck it all right um it's a sequel it's john wick 2 yes yes so like john wick came out it came and went and i didn't see it in the theaters and i didn't even watch it on blu-ray or stream it and i love keanu reeves but like just seeing the previews for the movie i hated the the, the music music really fucked with me and then it just seemed like too broy, like fast and furious-y and I'm just like, oh, yeah. okay, he's just doing one of these. It's kind of like a Fast and Furious slash Liam Neeson. Let's get all. The, I'm gonna take out all the bad guys, but it looks like kind of dorky, and like, yeah, totally. And John Wick also like doesn't dress great. I mean, he just wears like all black. You're just kind of like, okay, like what? It's not like he's not James Bond. And like, I was. I, mean, I do think. I mean, I think he does have. There's there's definitely an elegance to his look. Where I think that like, yeah, you normal actors. I mean, what's like, yeah. What's Vin Diesel wearing? Well, no, that's the thing know? is I was like totally missing the point was the fact that like black is timeless and it's just like yeah. com- stand-up comedians like they always say like whenever you do a comedy special like most comedians always just wear all black because it's timeless. Uh, Unless you're Eddie Murphy in that red suit. No, exactly. But I mean people point to stuff like that like comedians yeah. they just like remember fucking Sinbad? I think Sinbad ruined it for everybody. But uh, like yeah. if you watch any comedy special um, 90% of the time, comedians are just wearing all black. But yeah, John Wick yeah, is just like sense. a timeless look. And then deep diving more and more with uh, the director and stuff, like the fact that they don't use smartphones in the, in the movies. Like he, he purposely made at least this trilogy. I know they're going to make more. Like it just couldn't, it could fit in any era. I mean, the cars yeah, that he drives, like, like a, stuff like that. It's a really interesting, like, kind of, you know, it's like a kind of a low key like world building you know like everything like you know it would easy you could he could have taken this and put it in some sort of like our reality you mm-hmm. know like most things you know that he kind of fantasy basic oh this is you know whatever this is some super secret spy organization or something but then with all these little things it's like you know this is it's this action movie but then everything is a little strange this is taking place in some slightly alternate universe and i like that it's Me kind too. of like watchmen yeah and that was the thing was i john wick 2 was about to come out i still hadn't seen john wick 1 and then people i knew were like you're you gonna love it like just watch it or whatever I'm like, all right fine. yeah and then i watched john wick 1 and i was like oh that's good that's a that's a pleasant surprise that's what i think john wick yeah. is i'm just like this is a pleasant surprise and then um, I go and see number two, and I was like, holy fucking shit, this is more complex than The Matrix. And in a yeah, good way. Totally. Where it's just like, here's this, like, now there's, like, a, a syndicate, and they stay at this, like, hotel, and, like, there's all, you know, it's more of a backstory, and it's just, like, yeah, the world building in this. And, they, like, now number one was such a big hit that number two kind of gets the ball on a budget, and it's just like, let's go to fucking yeah. Italy. 
And you're just like, hell yeah, let's go to Italy. And all of a sudden, it, it turns into like a hard R. Uh, let's skip the like Moby, or not Moby, but like the, the mushy, gushy Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise has to have like feelings in every action movie. Yeah. And just like. My, my least favorite part of those movies. Yeah. And just like, fuck the bullshit. And like, let's just get down to business. And I, yeah. I can't get enough of it. And even like the little like cameos from different people, um, are even having, outstanding. you know, like Franco Nero in it. Exactly, he's the con- he's the 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 concierge or the the general manager or whatever of the yeah. the Continental in Italy, and it's just like, <laughs> see, they knew to cast him. They knew like the guy. If you ever want to listen to anything on any director, like the the writer and director of the John Wick movies, is. It's such a fun hang. He's like a total badass, and he also like has like really he, he's sunk in his claws into stuff that uh, he's like really into. Like he really loves Russian ballet, so it's just like okay, yeah. so John Wick's from Russia, and like we're gonna have a ballet scene in number three, and you're just like okay, yeah. Like he's just putting everything that he's ever liked in this world into the world of John Wick, and turns out he has really great taste. Yeah, no, it's like, and that's the thing is what I liked about that, too, is I like the fact that he's using all these things that inspire him, and he's incorporating them in the movie, but it never gets to the point where um, you straight up just feel like, oh, it's this type of movie, you know? Yeah. Where you're like, oh, it's, it's this, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, I love that, uh, you know, it's just different enough, and it's like, okay, I was able to kind of, like, do something slightly different and add to the conversation, and not just, you know, give you a repeat. Mm-hmm. I love that. Me too. And the opening sequence in John Wick 2, just to start off, like, okay, so, like, you know, with action movies, it's like, okay, we got to hit them with the bang right from the beginning. And it's hard to think of new shit to do. But with this one, it's just like, okay, John Wick, you know, just busts into fucking this parking garage to get his car back. And he just, like, takes out everybody with his car and just, like, is doing donuts and stuff. And that just sounds like, okay, like, I've seen that before. But it's like, yeah, but not like this. And yeah. just it, the level of insanity this, this the movie is. And like number three even in a good way jumps the shark. But it just, like there's nothing like number two. Like number two blew me away because I didn't know that it could be that good. <laughs> like I was just like, number yeah. one, pleasant surprise. Number two is just probably going to be like bigger budget, bigger action, okay. But the fact that it was just like a straight up dope story and all of a sudden it's just like, feel like i'm like some ancient fable or something or just like yeah it's almost like lone wolf and cub or you know this is like some americanized version of some old like japanese lures i don't know it's insane i i loved it uh john wick 2 sequel number one of the two sequels that i have on this list number five <laughs> uh yeah so i love that so um so my number six um i'm i'm doing another uh slightly more obscure movie uh, it's this Mexican movie from 2016 called The Untamed that I really loved, and I'm really sad that um, I don't think it's ever really gotten much attention here in America. Like, I ended up reading about it when it came out, and I ended up buying Arrow Video, did a Blu-ray of it in the UK, and I had it shipped over. But it's um, this movie that's really influenced by Ante Jawabski's, uh Possession, where it's but it also takes place in Mexico. There's basically this, it, it starts where it seems kind of like this uh, movie about this unhappy, unhappily married couple 
where the husband is like, I think he's having an affair with her brother. It gets kind of like crazy, but then you realize that she's also getting fucked by this tentacled alien that lives in this cottage. What? Like out, Possession. Like in, yeah, exactly. Like out like in the country, but then like everyone kind of starts realizing they can all have sex with this weird <laughs> tentacled alien. Um, but this movie is so um, right along with another movie that was so close to making it on my list, but it also made it in Mexico, also the same year, called We Are the Flesh. Um, that was my would, uh, honorable mention. That was almost my number 10. That's hilarious. Yeah, but I'm like, both those movies came at the same time, same place, uh, and it was just blowing my mind, like, uh, these really amazing, like, Mexican movies that uh, were just, like, very surreal, very strange, and, you know, I feel deserve to be um, no, and especially by people who love things like, uh, you know, like, uh, fucking, like, my, uh, my brain's working, uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky, or, you know, yeah. like, these, like, really strange, surreal, fucked up movies. Um, but yeah, I, I thought The Untamed was, was really dynamite, and that was one that I really wanted to mention on the podcast. You lent me The Untamed, whether you remember that or not. Oh, do you have it? Still haven't seen it. You, it was a last. Uh, it was uh, two times ago. I was at your place, and you just gave me like a handful of movies, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" And I almost put that on uh, two weeks ago, but instead, uh, I put on the Orson Welles film. Oh yeah, Touch of Evil. Yeah. Also dynamite. Yeah, also dynamite. Completely different. Um, that's funny. Oh, yeah. I almost put uh, We Are the Flesh on as number ten because. It's another thing where you're like, this is such a crazy movie. Uh, I like how they, they're just like, they don't have a budget and they're just creating this world and it's insanity. And then you're just like, oh, wow, this is getting like pretty hardcore. And then they're straight up like, oh, like she's like legitimately sucking his dick. And then like, yeah. oh, they're like fucking now. And it's just like, aren't they brother and sister? And is that the devil over there? And then it's like, wait, is there cannibalism? And then I don't want to ruin the ending, but it's like the ending happens and you're like, excuse me? Uh, like, it's oh, just yeah. like, what the fuck is going on in Mexico right now? But like, dude, yeah. I mean, even the Oscars are recognizing Mexican directors as like, hey guys, guess what? Mexico knows what the fuck is going on. Well, yeah, like didn't, you know, the past 10 years, like five of the awards were given to the three amigos. That's so. That's their nickname, or did you just give them that? Yes. No. It really is like they're known as the Three Amigos. Where it's uh, uh, Alfonso Cuarón, uh, uh, what's his name, Iñárritu. I can't know. I should know. Yeah, his the Birdman guy. Award twice. Yeah, uh, for Birdman and the Revenant, uh, and then Guillermo del Toro won for um, Shape of Water. Um, yeah, Shape of Water, and then yeah, and then uh, with Roma and uh, not Interstellar. Uh, the other space one was Sandra Bullock. Uh, <laughs> oh, Gravity. Gravity, yeah. So That's funny. They all won Best best Director. So, you know, yeah. Um, which is great. I mean, it, it, that's a whole other conversation in the film world outside of uh, just these types of movies. But uh, both of those movies really struck me. Mm -hmm. Like, to the point that I'm like, okay, there's definitely, there are really cool movies happening. I mean, it's one of those things that, like, you know, beyond the fact that in this decade, look, everyone is going to be talking about, like, uh, the huge franchises. You know, they're going to be talking about the Marvel Marvel films and, you know, Star Wars and 
whatnot. Um, but my thing, my issue is, isn't so much that the studios are spending money on those films, because obviously those movies tend to make shit tons of money. Um, and it's always been a business, like since they were, you know, Nickelodeons, you know, like you just hand crank and would watch a one reel. Um, that's what Hollywood's about. But the thing is that in the press, all the conversation is just so sucked up by those movies because people, it really has all those things that people can talk about easily. They can talk about the numbers the movies make. Yeah, they can talk about opening weekend. They can talk about the, the cost, the whatever, all the bullshit. But the issue is that there are really great movies being made at all sorts of budgets all around the world. Um, and it's like, sometimes it takes a while to see them because they're not getting like, you know, they're not being shown in theaters as much. They're not like, getting, you know, as much uh, publicity on, you know, like the, the streaming apps. There's even like Nicholas Wendy Reffin, like who I feel is, is he's kind of a brand name. Um, you know, he had that series, uh, you know, Tool to Die Young. And Netflix even said, or Amazon even said that they, they didn't bother to promote it at all in the U.S. because he has a bigger following in the U.K. or I mean, in, in Europe. Um, and you're like, he has plenty of fans here. You'd think that they would have, you know, made some sort of minor effort to promote that. But yeah. instead, they're, you know, they're promoting like Jack Ryan. And <laughs> yeah, for real. Red blooded American. Um, all right. Well, there's that. The Untamed. Can't wait to watch it. Maybe when you come over on Christmas, we'll just watch it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> get really weird. Be get really weird. All right. My number four. Is oh, you, 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 you skip your number five? You my number five was killing five. the sacred deer. Oh uh, yeah, but you're not gonna add another in its place. Um, in its place, but I wouldn't call it number five. I would just maybe bump it up to number ten and then move everything up or whatever. Would because uh, <laughs> there's another one that was on my on, on my mentions, but I think you're gonna talk about it, so I'll curb that. Uh, this movie is from 2015 and it's called Green Room. Oh yeah, I, I that was on my. My almost almost rans, and I heard so many good things about Green Room. Um, and it was another one of those movies where I was kind of like late to the the jump on it because I'm like, ah, okay, like I don't know. Anytime I th hear about like a new what I thought was at the time horror movie that was like low budget, I'm just like, do I really want to go see like this like shitty CGI this and that or whatever? But I was like completely wrong, of course. And then oh, yeah, it's dynamite. It's so dynamite, and the fact that uh, the star is dead. Um, yeah, Anthony Elton. He, he's so great. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Everything I, I'd seen him in, I've, I've really loved. Uh, yeah. I, I, he's so good. He died. Like I saw that movie and he died like a couple weeks later. Like it was like that movie was in theaters when he died. Okay. Yeah. I saw a crazy that, freak accident. Yeah. His Jeep ran over him. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw him. I saw it after he's dead. Uh, and it kind of almost was like a Heath Ledger, like Dark Knight thing where you're like watching it and you're like, oh, this is kind of like chilling, just like watching yeah. him. Um, and if anybody hasn't seen Green Room, you know, uh, punk band going on this shitty, shitty tour, which is like so perfect. Like if you've ever been in like a <laughs> shitty band and you're like, we're going to hit the road, but we don't have a following and like we're just playing wherever, like you're going to pull over and you're going to play in a shitty venue and you're going to be super bummed. The, the worst in place in the middle of fucking butt fuck Oregon. Exactly. And like my personal experience when I was in a band and stuff, which is nowhere near this is we played at a place in um ba 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 can't think of the name Pomona, uh, Pomona California. 
which is like kind of outside it's outside of pasadena um and it's more of a hispanic area and kind of a more um just hardcore area so like we showed up and we played this bar that was literally a boxing ring and like we just played in a boxing ring <laughs> and it was a bar and our singer in the band was like a hot shot and he was like a pretty boy and there's girls at the bar and there they were checking him out and stuff and like nobody was digging us and then he just had to say on the mic like well you guys don't like us just because all your girlfriends want to fuck me and I was just like, oh, shit. And, like, it was one of those things where, like, we stopped playing and then we ran as fast as we could. Like, it was just, like, we had everything oh parked in the back. God. We just threw everything and we just, like, sped out of there. I remember yelling at him, like, oh, you fucking idiot. Like, we're fucking in Pomona. Like, this so you're so stupid. Um, but uh, this is also the same guy that, like, was wearing a pink polo shirt and was driving down Crenshaw Boulevard when Crenshaw Boulevard was, like, super ghetto like the dr dre version of crenshaw boulevard and he like rolled down his window <laughs> to ask for directions somewhere uh to this super gangster guy and then the guy just uh, spit on him <laughs> and i was just like cool 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 anywho uh yeah green room so great patrick stewart never seen him like this before i don't think i'll ever see him like this again um the violence is like absolutely crazy uh the last three seconds of the film when he like has an answer to the uh, question and uh, just like how it ends on that note is like beautiful. Um, yeah. A band accidentally playing a fucking Nazi rally, accidentally see a murder happen in the green room. And then the Nazi owners in front, agnostic front uh, just have to be like, yo, uh, they can't leave now. And then the band knows that they can't leave now. And then they're all freaking out because they're just a fucking band and they're not like, fucking crazy nazis and it is not good what happens next for anybody nazis or them so it's just like a full-out brigade of blood and i really like green room a lot so yeah it moves onto the list somehow i love it i love it um yeah no I, that was actually on my my little list of things that like if i if i ran out of options that I was going to put on because yeah I, I agree like saw that in theater and a lot of the newer horror movies um I haven't totally loved um I, and part of it's because I think that a lot of them try to get a little too pretentious and they kind of aren't as smart as they think they are <laughs> midsummer like, midsummer midsummer yeah where I'm like you know you're like you're not you're not as like yeah as heady as you think you are but you're also not like satisfying me on like just kind of a yeah, trashy genre movie way either, so um, they fail. But that movie, I, I, I was totally, totally thrilled through the whole thing. Um, yeah, it was, was suspenseful, and it was, all the performances were great. And yeah, I said, totally done in my time. So, yeah, I loved that. Awesome. Um, so, I guess for my number five, um, I'm going to go with Gaspar Noe's Enter the Void. Mm. Um which is another movie that I almost couldn't remember if it had this happened in this decade or in uh, the previous one, but it was, yeah, 2010. And that movie totally blew my mind. And he's also one of those directors that's kept doing crazy things in this decade uh, where he did the, the 3D sort of hardcore movie Love that started with like a 3D cum shot. 
and uh, and he did Climax this past year. Loved we, Climax. Uh, did we did we cover that for the podcast, or we just no, we just it we just watched podcast. it together. And, yeah, and loved it. Um, but yeah, so Enter the Void was one that was so crazy and seemed to come out of nowhere for me. Like where it's about this um, young guy, like in his twenties, is like uh, I think he's an American. He's living in Tokyo, and it's like the most insane like neon version tokyo and then he uh he ends up getting murdered in this club and then it's like his the rest of the movie and it's all like first person perspective but then you end up spending time like kind of in his soul and at certain points it gets so druggy and crazy it's almost like you're staring at like a screensaver <laughs> but it keeps you totally engaged somehow because it's just so it's just so audacious and crazy. Um, and it's long too. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's close to like three hours. Um, but yeah, that movie just totally blew my mind. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's important enough to put on the list. One of the films I still have to see and I loved climax so much. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's definitely, um, I mean, I think you, you can totally watch it sober, but I think it's a movie that if you can watch on drugs, please do. Awesome. <laughs> All right, I'm going to number four. Um, sure, yeah. the budget was over $100 million, but it was all illegal money. And uh, in my opinion, this was his best film since 1995. I am talking about 2013's The Wolf of Wall Street. Woo, yeah. Oh my God, did I have a great time in this movie theater. And oh, yeah. every time I've seen this movie since. When the preview dropped... Um, it had the Kanye West song "Black Skinhead" and just like that drum line, that do 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 and whatever. Anytime that you would see a movie that summer, it would just like constantly be previewing this movie. And I've never been so hyped on like a fucking preview. Beside besides the number three movie, and I was just like, oh my god, he's back! Scorsese's back! And it was just like the first time since The Departed where I was just like. I cannot wait for this fucking movie. And then I went and saw it opening night with a bunch of people. And it didn't disappoint, but it was so crazy because it's so overwhelming that when you leave, everyone's exhausted. <laughs> like, I remember oh, yeah. just being exhausted when the movie was over. And then just trying to think of, like, what the fuck just happened and what I saw. And the, I remember the only thing I could think of was, like, there's a little bit of chop. There's going to be some chop. Just a little bit of chop. And then that was it. And then, like, I've probably seen it, like, five times since. And it's just, like, fucking bananas. Like, the whole movie's bananas. I'm sure everybody that's listening to this has seen The Wolf of Wall Street. But Oh, yeah. Um, no, that was on my short list, too. And I'm like, do you add it or, or not? Because it is, like, it is crazy enough like that. And, again, like, yeah, it's made by, like, a major director with a major budget with major stars. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just it got that kinetic insanity kind of like good time you know where it's like this thing where it's just like boom 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 you know it really um like even though you know as long as it is like this it has such a like impressive pulse you just kind of gets totally swept up in the insanity of it yeah and it's i think it is his best movie since casino um yeah and i mean it, it introduced us to margot robbie which i didn't oh, know yeah. i didn't know the time was going to be such a big deal but as the years pass, she really is. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. There's, I went in and, you know, you're just like, oh, here's like 
the the Goodfellas version of a roller uh, of an ice skating movie like I Tanya, and it's so <laughs> totally. it's so good because she's so good and the movie's good. I, I like the movie. It's a fun. Oh, yeah. It's a fun time. But man, like um, yeah, she's dynamite. Jonah Hill, like Jesus Christ, in this movie with his fake teeth and about like that whole scene at the when they first meet and he's just like. You say you make forty thousand dollars in your last check. He's like, "You show me that pay stub right now. I'll quit my job right now." And then he just like does, and then he's just like, "You want to smoke some crack in a pay booth?" And then they do, and you're like, "Yeah!" Like he's just like, "This movie is crazy." And, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's weird because it's like super relevant still, even though it took place in like the late or no, it was before Black Monday, so it was the '80s still. And um, yeah, yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's just, and then once again, Matthew McConaughey, here he is, showing up again, and he's just yep. showing up for this fucking one scene, and he just completely, like, tells you, like, what the stock market is about, and it's just about, oh, yeah. like, look, it's just like, you're trying to get people's money, and you tell them you have a good investment, and then you make the investment, and then let's say, like, they make money off of it, you never let them pull their money out. And it's just like, yeah. why? And it's just like, because that makes it real. So then you have to just say that you have another great fucking idea. And then they're going to give you more money because they're addicted. And you're just like, oh, my God, that's so fucking true. And then the whole, like, beating the chest and the mm-hmm thing. Apparently, he <laughs> does that on set to warm up before they start shooting. And Scorsese caught him doing that before, like, they started shooting. He's like just do that on camera. And he's like, okay. And then he did it. And oh then like God. Leo had to like follow along and he didn't know what the fuck was going on. So the like general confusion on his face and the scene is real because <laughs> McConaughey is like literally just playing himself. And it's just like, I mean, I never thought Matthew McConaughey would be so important to me in film, but this last <laughs> decade has showed with like the beach bomb and serenity and this and uh, what was we were oh, talking yeah. about like two other Vulture movies already. Detective and yeah. Magic Mike. <laughs> Magic Mike XXL. Yeah, you're just like, what the hell? Like this guy. I love him, and you know what's what? What's funny? Killer Joe almost made my list. That's got him in it. Oh uh, yeah, I still need to see that one. What you haven't seen it? Oh man. No, not yet. It's good. Oh man, it's really yeah, good. That's what I've heard. Oh, we should watch that on Christmas. Hey, we gotta watch some shit on Christmas. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, you'll never look at fried chicken the same way again, or maybe you will. But <laughs> how do you know how I look at it? I don't know. <laughs> Who's to say? I don't see the world through your eyes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the Wolf of Wall Street is like fucking nuts, and the fact that like um, I found out recently about like it's like funding, which is great because Gordon Belfour, how he was just like bullshitting people and like you know all that money was bullshit and fake. It's like there's a guy, and I can't remember which country, but uh, a foreign person was starting these like hedge funds that were totally fake, and all he did was like create all kinds of crazy emails. And the fact that he was like the son of like a prime minister of something made people think that he was legit, so they'd invest all this shit into his thing, and then he would just throw these like crazy elaborate Hollywood style parties. And he would invite these, like, A-list actors because he would throw these, like, million, zillion-dollar parties. And, like, 
Leo's at a party, and then he was talking about, like, yeah, me and Marty want to make this film, but it's going to cost, like, $150 million to make, and no one wants to give us the money for it. And he's like, I'll give you the money for it. He's like, what? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'll give you the money. And he's just like, okay. So then they took it, and then uh, Sony just bought the rights to distribute it, but, like, this guy funded it and apparently, like, also gifted him, like, a bunch of crazy shit. Um, and... To this day, Scorsese and Leo play dumb on it, saying, like, oh, I didn't know it was, like, dirty money. And it's just, like, <laughs> I'm sure they did, but they're, like, whatever, this guy's writing our checks. We're making this insane fucking hard R movie for $150 million. <laughs> like, so what crazy. the hell? You know what's nuts is that guy that gave him the money, that was the one thing he ever made money on legitimately because the movie was, like, oh, a really? powerhouse hit. Like, globally, it made over $300 million. Like, it was a fucking blockbuster. So That's crazy. It was nuts. Um, but, yeah, so The Wolf of Wall Street is my number four, and there it is. I love it. Okay, so my number four, I'm going to go with um, kind of another, like, strange one, though I think that uh, it's actually pretty easy to find if anyone's looking for it, uh, is this French film called Stranger by the Lake that uh, – I am a huge fan of it's basically about so like okay uh, this gay man that goes to this it's like a gay nude beach in France and it's like on a lake like uh, it's funny because here in Portland we have one right outside town uh, right on the river called Rooster Rock it's basically the uh, the French version of Rooster Rock but this guy ends up um, well in the one hand he kind of befriends this like weird lonely man that hangs out there like every day. But then he keeps coming back, and there's this really hot guy that has a boyfriend that he keeps seeing. And he, there's all these people, like, having sex. It's pretty explicit, uh, like, unsimulated gay sex happening all throughout this movie. But then uh, he actually watches this really hot dude uh, drown his boyfriend out on the lake. Um, and then instead of, like, you know, turn him in or make an issue out of it, he just starts fucking the guy himself. Um, but it's – and then you have this whole thing, like, is he going to kill him? Like – Will he survive it? I don't know. But it's one of the best erotic thrillers I've seen in so long, and it was just a dynamite movie. Is that, um, a, is that yeah. a Criterion film? Um, it's on Criterion Channel right now. It's also I think it's also on Shudder. I think it's also on Amazon Prime. I mean, it's like it's all over right now. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I think you can find it um, uh, anywhere. But, yeah, it's it's really great. Is your phone freaking out? I was actually just, just sorry. I was just trying to plug it in so it can charge, but my phone is so old and shitty that I have to put it at a certain angle for it to actually connect. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure if I'm still connecting because I keep hearing that bum bum. Yeah, sorry. Uh, we're good now. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. But uh, yeah, it's a trip. I had cruised by, <laughs> cruised by Stranger by the Lake uh, <laughs> uh, a handful of times on Criterion, and I've almost like clicked play, but for some reason I went another route. Um, Okay, well now, it's so funny, all these fucking movies, literally, oh, yeah. that you've mentioned, I haven't seen. That's, oh, no, it's fine. No, no, it's no, 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 it's it's good, it's crazy, it's like, oh, here's this list of this movie, all these movies from the decade. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that's what these people are getting, because mine is, like, pretty, like, I'm sure people have seen well, this. No, it's great, everything you've, you've put are things that are on, like, it's funny, I could show you my, my list of notes. I keep putting strike throughs to things to remember what we talked about and, and done. And I'm like, uh, yeah, there's, there's a ton of stuff you've had on there that I'm like, we're on my list. I'm like, ooh. And there's even a couple things that I'm kind of pushing towards the top 
either kind of hoping that you put or uh, I'll, I have to squeeze. If not, uh, there'll be a little also rounds of things that we just didn't get a chance to talk about. Okay, cool. go ahead. All right, so number three. I've never seen a preview to something before where as soon as the preview was over, I knew it was going to be an all-timer. Like, ever. Like, I, you see something, and you're like, oh, man, I really hope that's good. Or, like, oh, that looks cool. Yeah. Or, like, whatever. But, like, you see the preview, and you're like, that's going to be the best movie. <laughs> like, it could yeah. possibly be. And I'm talking about none other than 2015's, my next sequel, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, yeah. It was insane when the preview came out. I'm like, this is going to be the best. And then we saw it opening night or something like that. And it turns out it was the best. Oh, yeah. There's nothing else. Absolutely. That movie can't get any better. Uh, it was perfect. Everything in it is insanity. Like, the, you know, just hearing about, like, the, what they went through to, like, make the film. I guess, you oh, know what's yeah. crazy is, um, uh, now I can't think of his name. Uh, George Miller? No, no. Uh, the star. Um, Jesus, Alec. Uh so, oh, uh, I like don't sleep no, anymore because of my kid. No, I'm I'm doing the same thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I. Oh my God, why is yeah, <laughs> Bronson himself? Hot, hot, yeah. Hot, hot oh, heat. Um, Mr. Venom. Everyone is. I know exactly. Everyone is. Exactly, yeah. Everyone is screaming. <laughs> that's listening to this right now. I know it's really funny. The and answer we're both is doing this. it right now. All right, let's just call him Charles. Both retarded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just call him Charles Lamas. Anyway, Charles, <laughs> Charles fucking Lamas. Uh, apparently didn't know what the hell was going on when they were filming. And oh, Tom Hardy. Tom oh. Hardy. Charles Lamas, same guy. God, what's wrong with all, both of us? <laughs> what is wrong? How do we not know Tom Hardy's name? I know. Uh, we're having that moment. But we know those eyes. Uh, yeah, it's the thing about him. It's just like he's kind of a shithead where he's just like, I'm the most beautiful man in the world. I'm going to wear a mask in half of my films. And I'm also going to do, like, stupid voices. And I'm also going to, like... <laughs> he just, like, makes all these choices that you're like, there's no way that should work. But he's just, like, Tom Hardy, so it does. And apparently with yeah, this, totally. like, uh, Charlize Theron was just like, dude, get on board with this fucking movie. Apparently, like, he thought they were making a shit movie. And, like, he was, like, didn't see whatever vision George Miller had. And then I yeah. guess at the premiere, this is all like, I'm not like just hearsay shit. Like he said this where he was just like yeah. at the premiere, like he saw the movie and then he went to George Miller and apologized at the end. It was like, I can't believe I couldn't see what you were trying to do here and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if that's no, what that's really made the shift to make Charlize really the, the actual star of this film. Like maybe they had to like yeah. reshoot it or like rewrite it or cause like he sucked. But, like, even yeah. his... That was the right choice. It was the right choice. But also, like, his shittiness is still... Like, he's still Tom Hardy, so it's still... Oh, yeah. It's still such a dope... Per that he's like, fuck yeah, that's, it's Max. Like, hell yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah. But, um... The movie's nuts! The movie no, is, it is nuts! It's like, anybody who's, like, like, super handicapped that has, like, nipple piercings, that has, like, these buff sons that are chasing after these, like teenage dames like i don't know like and they're just the way that they show um distance like geography of like where you are is like the shining oh, yeah. where it's like at the beginning of the shining where they're doing the tour of like the overlook hotel they're just like this is this and this is that and whatever and you're just like okay and it's putting the viewer like a blueprint in their head 
of like when shit starts to get bananas and people are all over yeah. the place, like you know where shit is. And like with yeah. Mad Max Fury Road, it's just like any shitty director can be like, okay, yeah, they're in the desert and they're like chasing each other. And it's like, I grew up in the desert. That shit looks the same everywhere. <laughs> so you're just like, oh, yeah. Where is what? But with this, like, the way that they do it, it's just like, okay, though, that's Dust City, and then this is where these, like, weird creatures on, like, pogo sticks, like, walk over mud. Yeah. And then, like, oh, yeah, these are where the crows hang out, and, like, oh, this is, like, the, the valley where, like, the dirt bikers chill, and you're just like, whoa. Like, they've, like, created this, like, desert landscape that you know what the fuck's going on, and then also, like, what they're in search Any for. the way that the action is all designed, I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the way that, um, you know, you can post each shot. So the action is always in the center of the frame. Um, so your eye can just like, is you know, so connected. There's so much going on so that like when the cuts happen, uh, you don't have your eye doesn't have to jog, I, you know, like the, it's going to cut to something happening right in the same place. I don't know. It's, it's really, it's great. I mean, it's, it's such a dynamic movie. It's so simple, like in it's like structure and plotting. Um, and that was one that seeing in, uh, in 3D was, I mean, I love 3D anyhow, but I'm like, it really just gave the depth of everything just going on, and it was so immersive. That motherfucker That's playing the guitar in 3D oh, yeah. was something else. <laughs> it kind of sucks that 3D died. Yeah, I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not really, you know, the thing is they, they overplay those things so much, and it goes away, then it comes back. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was one where definitely, because I saw it in the theater multiple, I saw it both in the, um, you know, obviously I saw it in 3D, I saw it flat, and I also saw it flat with the black and chrome version. It was all in black and white. I saw that in the theater as well. Awesome. Um, and all were great, but I, I think that it, there are certain shots in that that in 3D um, really, really popped and I loved. Awesome. No, it's, it's a movie, and it's uh, my dad's favorite movie of the decade. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Did uh, you watch it like 15 times? Like, at, oh, my God, like 100 probably. My dad's crazy. <laughs> like, he'll just watch the same thing over and over again. It's insane. So, like, That's yeah. Great. I would put the... I would honestly say he's probably seen it, like, 33 times. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's that guy. Um, and I don't blame him. I've seen it a handful of times, too. And the last time that I saw it was actually... It was after someone's wedding, and I was crashing in someone's living room... And they had nothing. They just had basic cable or whatever. And I was like, fuck. And I'm awake and everyone goes to bed because they all have lives and I don't. And I watched, <laughs> yeah, the the censored version on the USA Network. Oh, jeez. Uh, and it was still good. <laughs> like, that was just like, oh, yeah. it just goes to show you. Like, man, do they not show you shit in it. But you're just like, oh, yeah, this is when you, oh, I guess they're not going to. All right, well, whatever. This movie's still going. Um, yeah, it's my number four. <laughs> or no, it's not. It's my number three, Mad Max Fury Road. That's your number three, yeah. That's it. All right. Um, so for my number three, um, I'm picking a movie. I, 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 this is, again, one of those directors just made a couple movies that I, I loved both of them. But uh, his most recent one is the one I'm putting on the list, uh, which is The Lighthouse by Robert Eggers. Oh, is it really? Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, So this one... Um, Again, it was one of those movies that was so stylish and crazy and immersive, um, and I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe. I just loved um, everything from, I mean, the look of the movie was just so 
just beautiful and burnished, and even the the aspect ratio of it. Uh, two dynamite actors with like uh, what seems to be this this director's specialty is uh, working with really elaborate and archaic dialogue, um, and they're just like they're just like talking and yelling and being so crazy. And there's always like weird shit in the atmosphere. And there's so many like, um, again, like I've talked about, you know, other like directors kind of pulling from other influences and in, in the way they incorporate them. And at certain times you're like, Oh, it's, you know, there's certain things that are reminiscent of like, uh, you know, like the shining or you'll, you know, see, um, even a little bit of Bergman here, you'll see these things, but everything kind of like falls into place and just works so well. Um, I saw it twice in the theater, and I would see it again, potentially in the theater, because I just, uh, it was just so, so incredible. And again, like Robert Pattinson, I think it's just so dynamite. And Willem Dafoe, I mean, both of them are just like two actors that I could fucking watch sitting, you know, if they still made phone books, they, I would watch them read the phone book. Um, yeah. It was dynamite. I really, really love that movie a lot. It's one I'll definitely go back to quite a bit. I'm hoping there's other stuff. I mean, I loved um, Robert Eggers also did The Witch, uh, which I also really, really loved and could have easily put on this list, um, you know, if there was enough room. Um, but yeah, it's, with his two movies, I have been so impressed with his level of style, his dedication to like period and detail, and just be able to create like these really weird stories. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, he's definitely one of the few people to kind of come up and do things in kind of a weird genre. Like, and this is also The Lighthouse is almost like a horror movie, but it's not a horror movie at all. Um, it's just this, I don't know, it's crazy. I, I think I might have told you before, like, the movie I would most maybe compare it to, besides like maybe a, some sort of, like, experimental Guy Madden film, would be uh, Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man. Uh, oh. Where it kind of isn't really in like a genre it has this like beautiful look and it's just like you, you kind of like spend all this time looking at the, the you know there's so many things going on i guess i don't know it's just this kind of weird it, it could take place in the same universe basically like the universe of jim jarmusch's uh dead man if you somehow like took the train that he rides on and goes to and you go to maine instead of go out west or wherever the fuck you go and you end up with this fucking like you know new england lighthouse that's what's happening on the other side of the country oh that's super interesting that's awesome <laughs> i really wish i could have saw it seen it whatever in the theater but unfortunately having an, a, a baby <laughs> it's uh, it's very hard oh, to get yeah. out fortunately i have a good pair of headphones and a decent tv so um it just got released on amazon prime to buy only but i think on i know it's expensive it's like 15 bucks i know so i mean it's worth it but yeah it's i good. feel like at that price i'm like i feel like you could wait and you get the blu-ray for like nine dollars like yeah yeah i know so <laughs> I, I, know. I think on tuesday it's available to rent for 5.99 so oh, good i'm either gonna watch it christmas eve or we can watch it christmas day i don't know what we're watching on I christmas because we're gonna get to go see it's... uncut gems at 9 30 at night but we still got some shit to do in the day uh, so, I know, right? Who knows? Who knows what's going down? Um, yeah, the lighthouse. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. That's crazy. Like every single movie you've mentioned, I haven't seen, and that's great. <laughs> and that's why, uh, yeah, that's why. Well, I know you've seen my top two, so I know you've seen my <laughs> top two. 
Uh, my top two, unfortunately, we've already done podcasts on. So, like... Oh, no. I'll just say what I say. I'll make it really quick so we can just cut back to you, which is great because I feel like I've, I've been rambling a little bit too much with some of these, so... Oh, I don't think so at all. It'll be good it. to, to you know, just nip it. Um, okay, number two. Uh, once again, we saw this together in the theater. Um... I've seen this movie out of the top ten more than any of them, no doubt in my mind. I have shown this movie to more people that I've than any of the other ones. I've talked about this movie to more people than any of the other ones. And you were the one that you were just like, hey, I'm going to go see this thing. It's Cinema 21, blah, blah, blah. Here's the preview. And I saw it. And to tell you the truth, I was like, uh... I mean, you're going, all right, we'll go. And then it ended up being a group of us. Smoked so much weed before we went in there. So much weed. And then the movie started, and within five minutes, as soon as I saw those titties jiggling, and she was just telling the world that she was just cooking, I was hook, line, and sinker for The Lure 2015. The Lure, the one foreign film that I have in my top ten. Yes. Oh my god! It would it would be number one if not for something else that's obvious. But like this movie changed my life. <laughs> oh yeah! I didn't know that I liked musicals. I didn't know <laughs> that I liked musicals, and then all all the all the pieces started falling into place. Well, you love movies and you love music, so. It's a match made in heaven. I know, but like it's crazy. Like we went and saw it, and I was just like, you know, um, oh Jesus, forget Poland. Like it's the first musical ever made in Poland, and uh, <laughs> which is crazy. And then yeah, exactly. It's about fucking mermaids, which I'm just like, yeah. why would I be in on that? And then it's about like, but they're kind of vampires, which I'm not like a vampire person, and it's. Polish, but it's yeah. perfect. And you're just like, oh my god, <laughs> it's just like perfect Polish shit. And uh, just like that, like Euro trashness, that '80s, like uh, this is on oh, the Criterion yeah. Channel. This is whatever. If you haven't heard of it, if you haven't seen it, you're fucking up. The lure oh, yeah. is dynamite. The music is dynamite. There's only one song in English. It's a Donna Sum- Summer cover. That's the first song oh, yeah. that you hear. The the band that that the the film focuses on besides the mermaids and their pussies is like <laughs> the fucking coolest like Euro trash <laughs> shit band ever. And the singer, um, her eyes. Oh, what's her name? I don't. Pfft, yeah, yeah, right. She's I yeah. Like, she's amazing. Her eyes can like pierce through your soul. And I like like you know deep dove on her just like who the fuck is this chick. Apparently she was like, you know, a Polish Revlon model for a zillion years or whatever. So she's like a supermodel in her respected country, of course. And now she's like a little bit older, but like she is like so fucking striking. And oh yeah, um, you know, her husband is just like, yeah, like you're just like, Ugh. and then like there's the kid, and you're like, what is he doing here? <laughs> but like also, this whole film takes place in this like shitty club that I would go to every night of the week. Oh, yeah. And it's just like it's so great. It's like this band, and they're just like, yeah, we just like. But fucking... I love how they're putting on like a floor show. Exactly, like, it's one of those things like you don't have like 
I've you know like in old, watching old movies, especially you watch things like you know, Jeff Franco movies or like Jean Pierre Melville films, where like every movie is going to have a scene in a nightclub with a floor show, and you're like, that's what I felt I was promised. <laughs> like yeah, growing up, is you get to go to clubs and there's going to be a floor show. There's going to be like a cabaret or something. And I mean, I guess there's some burlesque here in Portland, but it's not this level of whatever insanity. Um, but it's what I want. I want like weird dancing and. Yeah. You know, I want, like, people, like, mermaids and, like, martini shells. <laughs> exactly. Instead, I got, like, drinking all hours of the night at the Rat, doing bumps, like, sniffing, huffing fucking poppers and taking poppers. A pisses in the ivy and doing suicides at the end of the morning. And you're just like, oh, that's... I mean, that's a life, too. It is a life, but it's not that life. And that <laughs> life is the lure, where it's just, like, these mermaids wash up to shore... And all of a sudden, they're like, they're not bad. They're just like, hey, we just want to hang. And then, uh, yeah, we have fish pussies that everyone's into for some reason. And, like, it's just that Euro trash thing that we just don't understand. Like, personally, I would never get down on it, but, like, good on you. And then there's just, like, yeah. this, I don't know, there's all this, like, other shit that's happening. I just don't want to, like, talk about it that much if anybody hasn't seen it. And also, like... If you really want us to get in depth on it, we literally did a podcast on it, and it was from the sound that you hear from my voice. It's one of my favorite podcasts because obviously it's oh, just yeah. like I've never got into a movie thinking like I'm doing this for my friend. Like I'm seeing this movie yeah. because my friend wants to see this movie. Okay, and then like I watched it and I'm like I like this more than all of the people I'm at the theater with put together. <laughs> and like not only that, but like I have like been at work talking to complete strangers telling them about this movie i did that recently where we were talking about just like <laughs> random shit random weird like whatever movies whatever it's like you really want a good movie and i talked about the lore and like their their lips never closed not because they were talking but because they were shocked that i was talking about a movie about fish pussies and euro trash and the <laughs> 80s and poland and i'm just like you'll love it you'll love it and then she <laughs> just like it's like no no, we won't. I know. Fair enough. I wonder what she's doing now, like that director. I don't know, but... But I feel like I heard that she was going to be directing something else, or I don't know. I need to follow up on that, because, yeah. Yeah, the... the that movie is so great. That movie is so good. It's just... It would be number one, if not for something else. Um, <laughs> but, uh... Anywho. Where are you at? I love it. Okay, so my number two um, is, again, one that I was like, oh, man, you can chance to put on your list, so I, I was waiting, um, is Under the Skin, uh, the Jonathan oh. Glazer film. Because <laughs> that one, it was funny because that was one that took me a while to, like, see. Like, I would meant to watch for a long time, and I finally saw it, and it just, like, blew my mind. Like, it's just so crazy and strange. And kind of like some of the other things that I put on the list, like, there's this... Uh, kind of weird alternate universe where she's, you know, Scarlett Johansson, um, who's one of those funny actresses, because she's not someone that I usually, like, think of as someone that I'm a big fan of. But, um, you know, when she knocks it out of the park for me, like, I just totally love her to death. Like, I just uh, was telling you the other day, like, I, I just watched uh, Marriage Story, and she's so fucking good in that movie. Um, but yeah, this one, she's this, like, insane alien who just kind of wanders around and like you kind of like i don't know what do you say like devours men <laughs> sure like some weird like i don't know like 
fucking space oil chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was a movie that, yeah, I, I totally loved it. That was so um, just mysterious and captivating and stylish. And I don't know. It, it totally impressed me. Um, yeah. And I know this is one that you saw and made a big impression on you before I saw it. Yeah. Uh, any, any thoughts? I feel great because that I kept telling you to see this movie. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you have to see Under the Skin. Um, it's weird that you mentioned that. I was thinking about putting that on, but the reason I didn't was because I'd only seen it once. And um, But it's weird because it does fit my criteria of um, how long it stays with me because still oh, yeah. the most... Um, disturbing scene I've ever seen in a movie in to me uh, or at least affected me so much was in this movie and I think about it every now and then anytime I think about like oh that's fucked up like it's the most fucked up thing I've ever seen in a movie and I immediately think of the scene in the movie but anyway um, and I'll get to the scene in a second but it's weird that you say that Jonathan Glazer the director uh, last week I would go through like a music video nostalgia where I'm just watching like oh, yeah. music videos and I watched all the Jonathan Glazer music videos from the 90s like, oh, that's awesome. He's so bizarre. It's really cool. Somebody made a channel of it on uh, YouTube. Unfortunately, some of them are, like, shitty quality. And unfortunately, uh, yeah. like, he directed some shitty English bands that you'd rather just listen to it on mute. But, um, yeah. yeah, he was always, like, fucking weird. Uh, but the scene I'm talking about is the scene at the beach where the husband tries to go save the wife, and then she's too far away, and he's going to drown, and then blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so, like, the alien's walking away or whatever. And there's just a baby crying by itself on the beach as the tide is coming in about to swallow the baby. And yeah. no, nobody saves the baby. And you don't see the baby die, but you see like the water getting closer and closer. And this one's just like screaming bloody murder. I remember oh, seeing yeah. that alone in the theater. And like I was like considering getting up. I'm like, I need to go. Like I can't. <laughs> it was weird. I've never had that feeling in anything... You know, I can watch anything now and be like, oh, yeah. whatever. I don't give a shit. But something about that, and this is before I had a kid. Like, I can't even imagine watching that scene now. And uh, oh, yeah. it just, like, fucked me up so bad that I was just like, holy <laughs> fuck. But even just, like, the way the movie starts, I really like how she becomes a person, like a human. And she's like, ma, yeah. ma, 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 ma. And she's, like, learning language, like, instantly. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, you see, this is weird. I've only seen it once. I've seen it in theaters. I saw a late showing. I saw it when I was high. And I remember everything about it. And oh, so yeah. this totally should have been in my top ten. I fucked up. But, oh, um, no, I, I was kind of expecting it might be in yours. So I was like, okay, this is one that's probably going to get knocked down pretty fast. So I have other backups. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing was I was just like, yeah, I fucked up. This should have, it, it was weird because I was considering it. But I, the only thing was, was like, I've only seen it once. But yeah. it's stupid because it, it's definitely all right. If I'm revising, it's in the top ten. But um, yeah, I also like the way that they filmed it, where it's just like she was like they, the realist stuff. Yeah, the she, realist where she was just like yeah. yeah, she's driving around and just talking to like Scottish dudes, and then like they were yeah. like hook line and sinker. It's like yeah, of course I'm gonna get in a van with fucking Scarlett Johansson. Are you kidding me? Oh um, uh, yeah. And then just like just weird shit where they're just like walking into that room and like that dude's like taking off his pants and he's like erect and he has that weird like crooked dick and then like oh, you know, yeah. they just go down and the, the fog and then the one scene where like the skin rips off really quick and the other guy sees it oh, yeah yeah this movie like yeah jonathan glazer 
hello. Like he's yeah. like he it's made. Funny, I, I still haven't seen. Um, it's like I love Sexy Beast. Um, I think that's like like really one of the best British gangster movies ever. I, I, I put it in the top five. Um, but I never saw his follow-up, Birth, which I've been meaning to, and uh, I really had a jag. I was going to watch it, and it was unavailable for streaming, but I just looked last night, and it's available to rent on Amazon right now. But it's the one with uh, Nicole Kidman, and, like, she thinks her dead husband's, like, reincarnated as a little boy or something. I don't know. It's crazy, but it's supposed to be, like, really amazing. And I, I'm like, well, I don't know why I haven't seen that. Yeah, I saw um, the preview to Apparently that. I love his movies, and I love her. Yeah. Well, he's great, and, I mean... What uh, Michelle Gondry did to the White Stripes, Jonathan Glazer oh, yeah. did to Radiohead. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the guy's got vision for days. And there was another thing, where it fits my criteria, where, like, how much did I deep dive? I deep dive so much that I read, like, the source novel, or at least uh, bit parts of it, or good, or chunks of it, whatever. And just, yeah. like, to find out, like, okay, like, I don't really understand some of this stuff, but then after reading it, like, I totally understand a lot of it. Like, the the aliens that are on the speed bikes or whatever, like, uh-huh. they can all, like, um, telepathically communicate with each other in the book. That's crazy. Where they're just like, okay, I, that's why they always knew, like, where some fucked up shit was going down. It was like, hey, this one's, like, kind of acting out a line. It's like, they're, like, a, a, a superior alien species that can, like, kind of, uh, yeah, basically, like, uh, Scarlett Johansson's character is, like, um, you know, just, like, a pawn, and then these ones are, like, I don't know, bishops, or, yeah, bishops, so, yeah, that, that, that kind of put that movie in a little bit more of a perspective, I don't know, just, like, and the guy with the fucked up face, and then she, like, oh, has yeah. second She's thoughts, like... and then, like, he just gets thrown in the trunk. Like, you're just like, Jesus. Like, the movie yeah. is, like, I know everything. I can, like, probably save, start to finish what happens from the beginning to the end. <laughs> and that's saying something, because I saw it, you know, how many fucking years ago? Oh, yeah. Jesus. I saw it almost seven years ago. <laughs> Once. Yeah. And I know everything that happens in the film. Yeah, this movie should be in my top five. What am I talking about? Like, this was stupid. Yeah. I didn't put it on my list. Yeah, well, yeah, Under the Skin. Absolutely just amazing. It's fucking amazing. I Uh, love it. All right, my number one. (laughs) We already talked about my number two. My number one. um, (laughs) Can you guess? Um, I probably could, but I also don't totally know. So go ahead. Do you want to (laughs) guess? Uh, my guess right now would be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You are absolutely right. Yeah. There is no way yeah. this can't be the number one film of the decade for me. There's no way. I've been waiting my whole oh, life yeah. for this movie. <laughs> it's funny. I oh, yeah. I had the list in, because I have a hard copy I'm holding on to right now, and I was doing this at work tonight, and uh, this guy I work with was like, oh, let me see your list, and he saw it, and he was just like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is your number one. He's like, I fell asleep in that movie. <laughs> and what's funny is like I know that he's gonna get fired. They're actually hiring his replacement right now. And I almost wanted to say to his face, I was like, that's why you're gonna be fucking fired. And I'm just like, nobody fucking likes you. You suck. Like that's what you say, and also that's what you do in this movie. Fuck you, you suck. And that's uh, hilarious. I mean, we did a whole Patreon on this episode. Hey, if you don't follow oh, us yeah. on Patreon, I mean, come on. You want to hear us talk about this movie for an hour and a half? No? All right, well, then don't follow us on Patreon. Um, but yeah, it's just... 
I mean, I love Quentin Tarantino. He's like the reason oh, yeah. I love movies as much as I do to a certain extent. And then you're the other reason I love his movies as much as I do. So it's just <laughs> like, and... I, I, I keep good company. Yeah, and then after the... <laughs> I wanted to like the hateful eight so much. And even when I saw it that night, I was like, that was great. And then like, as time went by, I was like, that wasn't great. And then I was just thinking, I was like, maybe I feel like maybe like if I see it again in like 15, 20 years, I'm like, Oh, actually that's secretly a sneaky masterpiece. Maybe, maybe probably not, but yeah, it's not what's the time in Hollywood. (laughs) No, 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 no. And then that was the thing was, I was like, he was almost with some of the dialogue stuff. Like it was almost, he, yeah, it was just like, which is crazy, like it's too much or whatever, but it, you're just like, all right already. Like it was just kind of, yeah. he was almost writing like that. And I think most of it had to do with those two films with Christoph Waltz, where you're just like, yo, we get it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, The Hateful Eight was like kind of like whatever, which is fine because I still love all of his movies. Um, I just love some way more than the others. Like he hasn't, technically made a bad film to me but i never thought he would make like a great film a masterpiece something like jackie brown or pulp fiction um yeah like kill bill volume one like holds a special place in my heart and i love kill bill volume two but like pulp fiction and jackie brown are like something else to me and then to not only like make something like that but i think make something better than those like i didn't think he had it in him and then also like everything works a hundred percent and it just and you just want to like everything like the soundtrack i was listening to the soundtrack my mom comes to visit she's listening she's hearing me listen to the soundtrack and she hears the real don Steele. she grew up in los angeles and she was 20 years old in 1969 she's like what are you yeah. listening to the real don Steele for i haven't heard this guy and whatever she was my like radio dj i'm like oh this is the soundtrack to quentin tarantino's new film she's like what and then she went and saw the movie, and she was like, you know what my favorite part of the movie was? I was like, I don't know, Mom. She's like, when... Oh, yeah, spoiler. Here we go. When um, <laughs> the Manson family gets murdered by Brad Pitt at the end, that's the best part of the film. <laughs> and to the people like that still, you know, I mean, the naysayers, the problematic people, it's just like, oh, like, he's just glorifying, like, this violence against women, these brainwash whatever. I my think people mo- were trying that angle for a while, and then that... It went away because then those people started liking the movie because all of a sudden they could look at the, uh, the Sharon Tate thing. They're like, are you really going to defend these bitches? But then uh, I feel that the, the, the lasting scandal was the Bruce Lee one. Yeah. But he was an asshole. Yeah. I mean, like, who cares? Like, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can love Bruce Lee, and I, I also think that – I mean, it's like a lot of people, like a lot of my heroes, like I love a lot of people that are – you know, probably assholes. You know, I grew up, you know, obsessed with James Dean. And even then, I knew, like, God, he would have been such a pain in the ass to know. For sure. Like, I'm glad I'm not his friend, but, you know, I wish he was my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I just, um, I don't know. There's, like, it can't it can't be better. And even my, my buddy who, like, doesn't like movies, maybe he's liked, like, five <laughs> movies in his life that I can think yeah. of. He saw it three times in the theater, just as many times as I saw it in the theater, because That's there was, like, awesome. something special about it, where it's the only movie that I know where it's just, like, I need, to, I need to see this as many times as I can in the theater before it's gone, because I just have to. Like, there's just something. Oh, yeah. And also, and something I didn't include on the list at the top of the hour, or the top of the second hour, first hour, was, like, the... Uh, 
the fact that like each time you return to this to a movie, it somehow becomes better or like at least bigger. Yeah. But like it is like the first time I saw it, it was great. I was in awe, whatever. But I was too busy trying to like I was just going everywhere with it. I was just like, oh, this and that, and like whatever. Like I don't know. I was just like too, too sucked in where I'm just like thinking while I'm watching. And then the second time, I just got to like let all that shit go. And it was oh, just yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is the movie. And then the third time, you're like waiting for the beats because it's like, yeah, it's like your favorite song on the album. It's like, oh, this one's up next. And it's just like, but yeah, exactly. That's the thing is every scene in the movie, you're like, oh, oh, I can't take a piss yet. I know I've been power drinking is, all day long and it's two hours and 10 minutes into it. But like, I'll get prostate cancer for this. Yeah, you're like, which I had that multiple times where I'm like, uh, where I saw it a bunch in the theater, but I was like, I wanted to make sure I peed at different times, and which time I'm like, uh, so I, I you know, could see everything, I'm like, I wouldn't want to miss something. The second time I went to the theater, I accidentally peed during the um, Steve McQueen scene that was really bummed. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And then just at the end, he's just like, I never had a chance. Oh, uh, yeah. He was like, dude, totally. yes. And like the way that... I he like scaled it back with the dialogue. Like it's not like so, I like Shakespearean. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's just like he's like dialogue. I was just like, okay, these are just like fucking people talking. It's just like, I don't know. It's it's. And there's great dialogue. There's great dialogue. It's funny. Someone the other day, uh, one of my coworkers had finally seen it, and they're like, oh, I really love that scene when. Uh, you know, he picks up the the hippie, and she's like, "Well, I'm not too, you know, I'm not too young for you to fuck, but you're definitely too old to fuck me, or whatever." And, I, and then I'm like, I had to just start, re, you know, reciting the rest of the lines. I'm like, he's like, the only thing I'm too old to do is get arrested for poontang. Wow, man's been trying to get me his whole my whole life, and when he does, it's not going to be because of you. Yeah. No offense. <laughs> That's great. Like, it's, it's just so good. So there's this great, you know, like. They have like, these great snappy, like the dialogue is great, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely not uh, as you know obtrusive as like a lot of his dialogue would be. You know, it's not like you know gonna stop everything just to you know hear some you know rat a tat Tantina dialogue. You know, yeah. But this is also one of the things with him is like, um, I mean, I love all of his his movie knowledge and his, his love for movies and you know the power and things he can do. But for me, like that ingredient that I miss in a lot of his movies, but then in this movie and Jackie Brown both have, is they have a little bit of heart. <laughs> you know, like a little bit of sentimentality. I think like really goes a long way to like make everything he does more palatable, and it gives me a, more of an end to care about what's happening. Um, Jackie Brown has that where, like, I legitimately care about, like, at least, you know, a, a couple of the characters a lot. And then it makes me, like, have more engaged feelings with the other people going on as well. Um, and same with this. Like, everybody in it, I'm just like, I love these I'm concerned about them. I'm concerned about what happens to them. And not just because I think that, like, they can meet, like, a, a violent end or, you know, which would uh, is the big potent thing in this movie is you're waiting for that huge violent end to for Sharon Tate, you know, it ends up being the other people, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. a different thing. Um, it just, it sucks me in, um, way more than, you know, some of the movies that I might, you know, appreciate for other reasons, but I don't know. He's also really good at naming people in his films like Cliff Booth. You're just like, yeah, that's a badass. 
And it is. Oh, yeah. It's like the biggest badass I can remember of this century, 21st century. Like, I don't think anybody's ever been cooler than Brad Pitt as Cliff Booth in this movie. Yeah, he's so great. It's nuts. I mean, he makes white no, denim yeah. look like dynamite. <laughs> oh, those moccasins. Yeah, the moccasins are fucking dope. Like, people, yeah, <laughs> it's that movie, man. Yeah, that movie is number one, and it's going to remain number one. And I will probably watch that uh, more times just by itself than the other nine accumulatively. Oh, yeah. I know. I, I recently rewatched it again. Like, I've seen it now six times. And each time you think, like, oh, maybe you but you're like, once you start it, you're like, oh, it's just such a treat to ride along with that movie. Yeah. Um, and that's how yeah. I felt about, you know, Pulp Fiction growing up. I had it on DVD, and it was just, like, it was awesome because I was the guy who saw it, and, like, a lot of people I knew didn't. So I got to show Pulp Fiction for the first time to people, like, at least ten times. I'm just That's like, great. you've never seen this movie? Click. Because I saw it when I was yeah. way too young. And then I got it when I was way <laughs> too young. So I was like the the kid that was just like, hey, your parents are going to hate me because... You're like eight years old. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Well, no, I saw it when it came out on VHS. So I was nine or ten. <laughs> it's just my dad just like what totally old enough totally old enough about? to see that movie with my dad and his brother uh <laughs> <laughs> shit but um that's the same thing it was like that was my dad and his brother but then like my mom's brother was the same way like i saw terminator 2 with him you know was oh, I, that movie's even a little more family friendly but i was i was also like seven <laughs> like when it <laughs> I just remember when he was like, because he talked, he kept talking about violence, and he was just, I just remember that he's just like, "Don't tell your mom it's too violent. Just don't say that," and like stuff like that. And I thought, thought he kept talking about violin. I was like, I don't hear the violin. <laughs> and uh, yeah, oh, oh seven-year-old brain. Um, yeah. Oh. All right. <laughs> can't wait for you to show Jack that movie. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> I think that's the best sequel of all time. Um, you're just like, you're like, okay, Jack, let's uh, let's watch Emmanuel in America. Oh my God, <laughs> that's his. Uh, <laughs> even though we're not Jewish, horse. that's his uh, his bar mitzvah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you're a man. Uh, no kidding. All right. So the final movie on my list is one that I, I talked about forever, and actually. You've I finally got to show you, um, is Peter Strickland's The Duke of Burgundy. Oh! Uh, this is one that, like, I totally fell in love with. Like, I heard a, a, a bit about it, like, when it, was, it had come out, and I really wanted to see it, which is kind of like the trend with his movies. Like, uh, they actually just put... I was holding out for his new movie, uh, In Fabric, for, like, over... Like, a, maybe a year and a half um, for it to get put out in theaters. And it seems like it's out, but it's hasn't like come out in theaters in Portland yet, uh, but now it's available on Amazon. So I'm just gonna like break down and just rent it. But apparently, Criterion is putting out the disc. Um, yeah, because A24 picked it up. But anyhow, uh, Duke of Burgundy. So this movie, it's so crazy. So like a lot of movies I've, I've talked about, like obviously my love for like just Franco movies and like Euro, Jallo, whatever, just like stylish perversions. <laughs> um, it's are definitely uh you know hallmarks of 
of a lot of my cult movie tastes. And this movie um, struck me because on the one hand, it's pulling from a lot of um, like genre movies. You have like even the, the music and everything has this like really cool um, that feeling. It's like the the sets and the clothing and just all of the, the mood and everything totally have that like Italian, like Euro erotic feeling, which I love. Um, but then there's also a lot of other kind of in influences going on. Uh, Peter Strickland, the director of this movie, he had a long uh, history of making experimental films. And you can see a lot of experimental film references in this movie. There's uh, this really cool scene where uh, you literally kind of travel into this woman's vagina and things get really surreal, uh, understandably, where, like, uh, they have this thing where throughout the movie the women are really into, like, I don't know what you call the, the thing, where they're really into bugs and moths. Um, and there's this entire scene where the main character, she's kind of, like, wandering through this hallway, and all these, like, moths start flying all around. And they start, like, taking over the screen, and, like, there's a whole point where, like, you just kind of get this, like, this thump on the soundtrack and you see these like wings just take over uh, for quite a while. And there's this really kind of famous experimental film, you know, as famous as experimental films get by Stan Brackage called Mothlight. And um, in that, that film, Stan Brackage actually like adhered moth wings to the film and they just projected it through a projector. Um, and it's definitely seems like kind of an homage to that. And it also has a lot of references to like Fassbender, especially things like, uh, the Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant. Um, and just it, it's this really cool movie where it like kind of straddles that, that weird limbo land where it's kind of like arty and experimental in some ways, but it also is kind of like taking a lot of these influences from um, these genre movies that I really love and kind of making something totally different. Uh, and I really love that. And I, I like that about his previous movie before that, Barbarian Sound Studio. But he's definitely one of these directors that I feel like, uh, you know, kind of like when I was talking about, like, Nicholas Wayne Reppin and Igor Slanthimos, these, these people have kind of made a big uh, name in this past decade. And he's one of these people that cult movie fans are really into, um, and certain, like, fest like people who go to movie festivals. Um, like, those are the people I'm actually seeing this movie actually pop up on, like, end-of-the-decade lists as well. Um, but it, they, have, they haven't made it into the, the mainstream and the main conversations. His movies are just a little too weird um, to kind of make that, that leap that, like, Ari Aster's films or Robert Eggers' films or these other people kind of making um, kind of neo-genre movies are getting. Um, but I think he's, he's one of those people I, I cannot wait to see his next, his next movie. That's awesome. I, I then, just watched it recently for the first time. You showed me. And also our mutual friend, we're all hanging out at your place, and um, she's kind of a picky potty and doesn't have the same taste that we have whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but she also a freak, so maybe that's why it spoke to her. <laughs> yeah. She has stated, you know, weeks after she's like, I still think about that movie. She's like, and she was like, <laughs> even like the next couple of days, she was like. The next day, she was like, what was the name of that movie called? It's like the Duke of Burgundy. And then the next day I saw her, she's like, so I've read everything on the Duke of Burgundy. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Well, that's one of those other things. Like, And I guess this is also one of those themes. Well, skin, I guess, would be a theme <laughs> in a lot of <laughs> multiple movies in my list have the name skin in it or feature <laughs> explicit sex. 
Um, so clearly there's, um, that, that's, that's where my, my mind went with this list. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved all the sex dynamics because it's funny because this movie is, um, kind of boundary pushing in the, the kind of erotic elements of it. Um, isn't that explicit? There's you know, you no don't nudity the, in it. You know, like nudity or, yeah. but you just, you, uh, they lean heavily into the kink and the kind of, um, the power dynamics of, you know, sexual, you know, or even just like relationships. Um, but the kind of like sexual power struggles or power dynamics, um, in a really interesting way, because in this movie you have, I think where you realize that, um, who you believe is the dom is actually kind of the sub it's, you know, they have this kind of like this power bottom situation going on where, uh, you know, the sub is so, so demanding that it's just the, the taxing element that it takes out on, uh, on the woman who's the dom. And I think that's something that I relate to. And I'm like, I totally see, but I, I haven't seen a whole lot in, um, in film or, you know, seen other ways to use like sometimes, you know, that's just, it's a really interesting dynamic. And I love the way it's explored. And I love the, I mean, like, the dedication to the lushness of this movie is so next level. There are, like, in the opening credits, they give a credit to both the lingerie in the film and also the perfume the women wear, uh, which is so crazy. But I'm like, I just, I have to love that. Like, that's... No, like, it, it deserves a credit. Just, especially The lingerie, so especially. But the perfume, you mm -hmm. just like, hell yeah. Like, it's great. Yeah. It's fucking great. This is where we're at. Um... Yeah, I loved it. I loved that it was able to like play with the genre, and also like, those are all, a lot of the things that I love about those movies. Anyhow, like, um, you know, say like you know, using Jess Franco is a great example. And apparently, even this movie, when he was offered to make it, he was offered to make remake Jess Franco's Lorna the Exorcist, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't like." That's kind of interesting, but what am I going to do with that? I'd rather kind of do something a little different, maybe in the same same wheelhouse, same genre. I like how but, he was uh, offered that. Okay. Like, that just shows you, like, America is fucking up because somebody from his native land was like, hey, we're off. You should make this Jess Franco movie. Here's money. And he's just like, nah, yeah. I'm going to do this. And they're like, all right, here's money. Like, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Um, but yeah, it's like he, you know, is able to, like, use those influences without like being so slavish. You're like, Oh, it's like this. It's like, it's one of these movies. Um, but yeah, I think it's super dynamic. Um, I guess like going into some of my also ran so things that didn't quite make the list though. I also kind of think would be, there's um, one movie that you, I'm so surprised you haven't mentioned, but maybe you'll say it now. Oh, maybe we'll go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I am so surprised you haven't talked about Tangerine yet. No, you know, that is on my list. That is totally, that is one that, um, yeah, it, it was, it was also one of those things that I'm just like, I kept going like, God, is it like, but really it is kind of like the companion movie to good time <laughs> as far as like, uh, West Coast, East Coast, about baby. one crazy night. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and it's also one of those movies that I just kept watching over and over. Uh, that's yeah, the thing no. is that's uh, we we had hung out a little bit uh, enough to be friends and to hang out at your house uh, every now and then and uh, but we hadn't been friends for like more than a year and this was the first movie that I ever knew you being obsessed with that was new oh yeah where you're like 
there's a movie on Netflix that I've seen like eight times this week. And I'm like, what'd you say? And then, <laughs> and then, and then uh, like I went over and then I watched it. And I'm like, I get it. And then I showed people, I remember I showed uh, Ben uh, the movie and he threw up halfway through it. <laughs> well, it was at the heroin or what was it? Probably. No, it was just like we were drinking and he, I guess he got like motion sickness from watching it. And the whole movie shot on an iPhone, but it didn't like, I didn't oh, yeah. expect it to like fuck with you, your equilibrium like that. That's so funny. But uh, yeah, and then he didn't finish it, but I did anyway. And yeah, the movie is fucking great. And it's just like, I really like Tangerine a lot because it shows you the part of L.A. that's just like most of L.A. It's like the L.A. that you see in films, you're just like, oh, look at that. And you're just like, like, I'm not from L.A. I mean, I've been to L.A., but I'm like that watching that movie. I'm like, this is L.A. That's like, L.A. This is really it's what L.A. feels like. Yeah, it's fucking shitty. It's hot. It sucks. Like like, every, like old strip molly. Yeah, it's strip molly. You know? It's a rat race. Like nobody's in a good mood. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's fucking shitty, man. And yeah, he's one of those people, like, so Sean, the director, Sean Baker, so that movie got a lot of attention, mostly because of the iPhone thing, um, which is great. Um, but another one of those things, and this would be, like, if you were talking about just film, like, talking about, like, the decade you have this past, which has been, like, so fascinating film-wise. I mean, there's been, like, like, anyone who's complaining about the situation in movies this past decade is not paying attention because there's so many interesting, fascinating things going on all over the place. Um, and obviously with the, like being in this political moment, as far as representation, and this movie even kind of predates, you know, like the Trump era. And, By you like, know, you know, a lot of that. few years. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, me too. A lot of that, but beyond the iPhone thing, the fact that he took um, real, you know, like sex workers, like transsexual sex workers of color, and put them in this movie, and as that could be so exploitative on one level. Um, apparently, one of them, I think the the main woman or uh, the Cinderella, one of them uh, moved in the middle of like North Dakota, like in his hiding. I think that they couldn't quite deal with uh, the popularity of this movie, which is sad. But I think that it is. It, it's a really interesting. Like that also added this level. Like it wasn't like what you would see like if you watched a normal movie and you had like say a star playing a you know like you know a trans sex worker in LA you know I mean I'm you know whatever say if you had like any kind of like name actor or somebody like a straight actor who's kind of like oh I'm gonna like branch out and play this role um I, I thought that added like this level of realness to it you're like yeah it also it just felt it connected um, really well, but the, Sean Baker is a really great director. He's also one of those people I love following on uh, Letterboxd. He's like the only kind of like famous person I follow, but his reviews are always really interesting to read. Um, he has really cool taste in movies. But then he ended up doing the Florida Project, so uh, which I think is also dynamite. Really dynamite. Um, yeah, another great he's, William Dafoe film. Yeah, I mean he's yeah, and he was nominated for an Academy Award for that. Like he's. He's great. Uh, I don't know what he's doing right now, but nothing. It sucks. I looked that up today. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what's on his horizon? And I went on his IMDb, and there's like nothing cooking for him. And I'm like, what? Yeah, um, that's too bad. Because I mean, clearly he's he's done. Also, what's funny? It's been a really interesting decade for Florida. I mean, as much as we hate Florida and Florida Man, there have been so many important movies that have taken place in Florida. You know, like. 
from you know obviously since we talked about like you know uh Florida project or you know like uh yeah moonlight uh obviously um you know beach bomb like i feel like this is a, a lot of stuff in florida like there have been a number of movies i've watched where i'm just like oh yeah um i don't know it's a great place to set movies not a great place to vote um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, other things that like had happened like in this decade that it, we, again like I wasn't necessarily going to put on the list because we talked on the podcast, but uh, things like Mandy um, and uh, what's his name? Uh, fuck, I can't think of it right now. But yeah, we also did like Beyond the Black Rainbow and both movies. Mandy, I actually really liked. Beyond the Black Rainbow, I have like a hesitant like appreciation for because I think that what he got as far as the aesthetics of that movie is so dynamite and just looks so great and are so incredible. Um, but the movie doesn't totally work for me uh, in a way that I wish it did. But I think that he's also one of those people that like took all these influences and made something, you know, really kind of important, you know, in this past decade. And it's definitely been one of those lightning rods for people to kind of, you know, um, look at these types of movies in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one. And, like, you, you briefly mentioned earlier, like, I was so tempted to put uh, the Raid movies on the list. Uh, I think they, they kind of should go as, like, a team. I mean, I guess Raid 2 is definitely the, the better of the two, but I think that, you know, they they are, they kind of mark this kind of, um, you know, heightened martial arts movie mm-hmm. that I think is just, like, so kinetic and so great and important. Uh, another one that I... I really was trying to find uh, room to put on the list uh, is another movie in the kind of same same sort of genre called uh, The Night Comes For Us. It's another really amazing uh, Asian national movie that it's on Netflix right now. I think they actually might have even like paid for it. Um, but similar, it's definitely of that same caliber um, of like, you know, The Raid or like John Wick where you just like, fuck, this movie is just like kind of epic and it's just like the violence and the the action is so relentless uh that it really just like kept me going um other ones that like i would have put on the list too if i had room uh sorry to bother you i oh my god i totally forgot about that movie yes yeah yes um, there was just so much crazy shit going on in that movie and it was like it just it hit like so many sweet spots with me i'm just like ah oh, fuck i don't do that um, and a couple of other movies that I you know, obviously are, I guess, um, things I would put on the list. Um, you know, on the decade list, regardless of genre or type, uh, you know, Twin Peaks The Return uh, was, for me, like, probably one of the defining film moments of the decade. Uh, I can't really think of anything that would approach it in its hugeness. That, mean, <laughs> you know, that, I, that one means so much to me because... Um, we were equally enthralled together with The Watchmen, the HBO mm-hmm. thing that just That's started. the next one I was going to list, yeah. Okay, but I was just saying, like, we, you know, we maybe it's because we don't see each other every day and stuff like that, but I feel like even if we didn't, um, with Twin Peaks The Return, it's like the episode would air, and then we'd watch it, like, in our respected corners, and then immediately text each other about it or talk to each other about it. Like, it was like... We watched it at the same time, even we weren't in the same place. Like with the oh, Watchmen, yeah. it's like I'd watch it on Tuesday, you'd watch it on Monday, like whatever. But with, like with Twin Peaks: The Return, like I, I remember watching it. Like it drops on Sunday, I'm watching it on Sunday, and then oh yeah, and with Twin Peaks: The Return, it was also like the thing with like if you're comparing it to Watchmen, which I would also like, I could easily. I mean, I think we're kind of at that point where 
you know, the definitions between what's a film and what's a, you know, streaming entertainment or whatever is, is being so blurred. I mean, obviously, like, The Irishman was made for Netflix. Um, you know, like, Roma was made for Netflix. Like, we, we the, these things are all being blurred. That's one of those big, you know, like, sea changes of this decade. Um, so I think it's probably time to start talking about TV in the same way. But I think with Watchmen, Watchmen was so... You know, even at its denser points, was so totally satisfying always. Um, and that's one of the things that was so great about it. With Twin Peaks, um, is it it made you work for it. You know, so you, I think you appreciate it. For the people who really appreciate Twin Peaks, especially the the return, I think that like we all know, like the it's one of the things that we had to work for. Like it challenged us hard <laughs> in a lot of cases but you know the thing is like that being able to meet the challenge of that and the you know like get you know it 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 paid off you know it you definitely feel like you went somewhere you worked you i don't know it's like it's like a, you took some crazy hike and you made it to the top of a mountain you know it's not just you got the view of the mountain it's like you're also appreciating it because you you feel the work you put into getting there. Um, and that's how Twin Peaks was for me, you know. That's an amazing uh, way to put it. Like, I, when I go backpacking into the wilderness for, like, a few days mm-hmm. and, like, hike miles and do all that bullshit, like, I bring a bag of wine with me. That's the only thing you can take in your pack, really. You can't bring a bottle. Sometimes it's too much room, it's too, whatever. And then, like, yeah. drinking, like, Trader Joe's boxed red wine after you hiked, like, 11 miles in, like, the <laughs> summer sun you've never tasted wine that good in your life. And uh, <laughs> then you're like, oh, shit, I really like this Trader Joe shit. And then you buy it, and then you drink it, your fat ass on the couch watching fucking Ellen DeGeneres, and then you're just like, this wine sucks. Why am I watching Ellen? <laughs> but, like, uh, with the Twin Peaks thing also, like, yeah, it does challenge you. It challenges you so much that I literally had to read an essay written by a Harvard professor to explain what the fuck happened in the last episode. But after <laughs> I was done reading it and I've read it multiple times and I've sent it to people that have liked that show is, uh, you're like, okay, I buy it. Even though, and you talk to David Lynch, you know, cause I personally do, don't you? But like, yeah, you know, you yeah, listen to him time. in interviews, like articles, whatever, like, uh, he's like, he's like, I'm abstract. Like what the fuck? I'm not telling you anything. Like, you don't, oh, yeah. there's no answers. Like this yeah. is just this is just my head, and you're like, yeah, okay, cool. Like that works too. Like it doesn't have to mean anything, <laughs> but like, no, it's it's nuts. Like I was, I just, and that's what I mean. It's like we lived in a decade where that was a funded by Showtime. That was promoted. That wasn't something that like you know like whatever. If he had somehow like he'd amassed a fortune and self-funded and then made it. And then people had to like, you'd be like, Oh, he had to whatever. But the fact that this was, there was somehow money was allotted to all of these people. And it's like, even just if you look at the cast, like, you know, that's a, you know, it has a pretty stacked cast in there. Of, you know, fascinating people. And then, you know, just, yeah, I don't know. It's, that was great. So that is definitely, you know, um, if I was just doing an end of the year, yeah, end of the decade list for everything, I mean, that that would be on the top tier. If, if I was going to do a ranked, that'd probably be number one. Um, you know what's but next? I'd probably have to share it with something else. Number one would be good. He's obsessed with film noir. 
David Lynch. Oh, yeah. And he turned, like, three of the most popular words that you can think of in a film noir and made him creepy. Just got a light, got a light, got a light. And it was just like, oh, that's great. That episode in general, when you're like, because you saw it, like, only a couple hours before I did. And you're like, I just saw... Oh, it blew my mind. Yeah, I just saw this like this. Fu- it, yeah, it you. It blew my mind by like even the first <laughs> part of that scene before before Nine Inch Nails performed. Like the whole scene when you know you have like the the ghosts you know, coming uh, out of the, the ground. Go- yeah, like that fucked my like I was already fucked up by that point. And then Nine Inch Nails do the whole performance in the middle of the episode, and then we get into the whole insanity. And then I'm just like totally. I'm just like sitting on my floor totally transfixed i'm just like i cannot believe what i'm watching and i'm like this is happening this is something that's going on right now this is so insane you know and then you keep going on to like as the show's going on we watched a fucking show where because david bowie had died like the year before that he was replaced by a giant tea kettle yeah like that was a fucking like that's amazing (laughs) that's amazing I had to cram for that series because uh, I hadn't seen the original Twin Peaks and they're on something or whatever, Amazon or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch all of them before Twin Peaks Return starts. And I did. And uh, I was like in Twin Peaks land because I was like, okay, I just watched two seasons of television and now this thing is airing for 18 weeks straight. And it's just like for like, I don't know, maybe like 22 weeks, like my life was Twin Peaks. Like, I read oh, everything yeah. Twin Peaks. I watched everything Twin Peaks. All I did was talk to you about it. We worked together at the time, all the time. And that was one of those things where, like, I felt like the the watching it one episode a week was so important because I think people who just watch it, binge watch it now, will miss out on that element where an episode would drop. And then, yeah, I was really into you know, Facebook and the, the people I was engaging with and following. Like, they were all like, into it. So you'd, like be sharing different theories and like, you know, like people like, Oh, they have this idea or they, they put these connections together only for like the next episode to happen. And then to have a total another, like, you know, left turn for the whole, you know, so like, Oh, this whole other thing is going on. Or like there were total like times where the repetition of the episode is like, wait, is something wrong? Is, is there, uh, did I see this episode before? <laughs> or like, you like, you would get so lost like you were totally in a fucking maze. Um, I, I can't think of anything, anything like that. Um, and that was that was something that happened in this decade. So I'm just like, you know what? The fact we're fine right now. That David Lynch was just flexing when he was like, okay, I'm gonna get Jim Belushi on this show, and people are gonna want a spinoff with his fucking character. And like, oh, yeah. you did. Like when Which I, sh- I still feel too that we haven't gotten yet. Exactly. Like when he showed up, I was like. What is he doing here? Come on! And then like oh, yeah. by the second episode he was in, I was just like, "When's the spinoff? Like that's what happens next, right?" Tell us. Oh yeah. And uh, it's so good. Like it's so I know. crazy. Like even like something like Tim Roth's character and his like girlfriend oh, yeah. that are like monsters. And- Oh yeah, and then yeah. Oh there's my god, so yeah, much. That, that was also a funny. Cause it wasn't the reunited. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and Tim Roth like reunited from the Hateful Eight. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, all the people. Yeah, so that was that's that's it, right? Like that's the number one of the decade. If we're if we're bringing TV into this situation, I've never had an experience like I've had with that. So that's definitely my yeah. number one. 
We watched the series finale. I bought pie. I brought fucking pie. I don't eat pie. And we were drinking coffee and eating pie and probably getting drunk too and like watching. And I remember after the last episode aired and the credits came up, you looked at me and then you looked back at the TV and you went, that's what you wanted to say? Because <laughs> we were pissed. Because you're pissed when it's over and you're like, fuck you and then like you 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 dwell with it and you dwell on it and then you whatever and then you try and dig up just like just give me some light and then after like a few, you know a few weeks you're like it's brilliant it's just oh, yeah. crazy it's well, like the thing is like you gotta let it marinate you gotta let it marinate it's the opposite of fan service well you also it's funny because you so you get a thing where that show you know it's like it's you're not getting dale you're not getting dale you're not getting dale then when dale comes back and then the music oh. comes in, and you're just like, it gave you two episodes where it was just like the ultimate fanboy joy. Like, almost like, you know, it's not like I would even dare to call it fan service because he's he's not concerned with fan service at all. No. But you've got those moments. And then, like, the other shoe drops. And then things just get more heartbreakingly abstract and crazy. And you're like, there's no, I mean, just like, that first time that you see Diane. Oh yeah. Like that fucking like that that's like that's gonna live with me for the rest of my life. Like I don't know. That was just like of course. I don't know. It's well like of course Laura Dern is Diane. Of course. And of course she's fucking awesome and insane and crazy. Yeah. And Oh my god, she's drinking the martinis and chain smoking and saying fuck you to everybody and you're like, marry me. Oh yeah. Um, and all those people who died while it was airing. I know, they're dropping like fucking flies. And now most recently, uh uh, uh Max Cherry himself, uh Robert oh, I Forster. Know. But um I know. what's also insane was um Oh shit, I'm losing the thread. Uh Man, all right, something else that was crazy about Twin Peaks. Anyway, go back to you. <laughs> uh, we, well, we were talking about Diane, we were talking about Laura Dern. Yeah, okay, yeah, so Laura that. Dern. Oh, oh, that was it, was the scream and that you see in um, oh, yeah. Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. And then how they superimposed that on, like, why she screamed. Because when you watch Fire Walk With Me, the, the film that you did in between Twin Peaks seasons one and two, and then The Return, which was in the early 90s, like, it shows like her you know right before she dies and she's like looks into a bush and screams and turns back in the film and it doesn't make any sense you're like oh she's just a crazy bitch but then yeah. she looks back and she sees dougie or she sees uh whatever dale dale cooper like peeking peeking and then she screams and you're like that's why did he know did he was he thinking about this for decades and like what like you're just like ha ah! like it's like that is like that's why you're genius that's why oh yeah that's i don't know if you get paid the big bucks but that's why showtime wrote you a fucking check for big bucks to make something like that because you're an artist david lynch is a fucking artist it's crazy he is great it's like and he almost convinced me to try transcendental meditation i'm like if this is what you get from <laughs> you know tm then fucking sign me up. Yes. All right. Um, I'm going to read our list back to the viewers, and then we are out of here. Uh, yes. Unless you got anything else to say, but I think you can't top 
Twin Peaks. I mean, we can keep going, Return. but yeah, I mean, Twin Peaks is a great. It's the great best. Day. All right, the best of the decade is Twin Peaks Return. Okay, uh, I'll do my ten first. Uh, from ten to one in order, we're talking about The Beach Bum, Good Time, Inherit Vice, Nightcrawler, John Wick Two, Five is Killing of a Sacred Deer, Four. The Wolf of Wall Street, three, Mad Max, Fury Road, two, The Lure, and number one, Once Upon a Time in motherfucking Hollywood. Yours in no particular order at all are The Skin I Live In, Holy Motors, Magic Mike, XXL, baby, The Untamed, oh, yeah. Enter the Void, Stranger by the Lake, The Lighthouse, Under the Skin, and The Duke of Burgundy. Um, that was the most fun I've had making a podcast, I think. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I've These never are all done... great movies, and yeah. I highly, I, I, I have, I think I've seen everything. Yeah, I've seen everything on these. Say, so yeah, I will say, I rec- I give a big thumbs up to everything. There's not a dud in the list. All twenty films. Boo yeah! So that'll keep you busy when you're hungover on New Year's Day. Uh, thanks for <laughs> tuning in to this mega 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 pod. Uh, yeah, we'll see you in the new year. But until then, let's keep it purely casual. Oh, yeah. Bye.